Bad snap. Bobble. Oh, Scoops oh. up. Here come the Spartans. Touchdown, MSU. From WDBM East Lansing, you're listening to the Green and White Report, a production from Impact Sports. This is your source for sports news, debates, and more for Michigan State, Detroit, and the rest of the sports world. Good morning, East Lansing. Thanks for joining us on this bit chilly Sunday morning, October 13th. A little brisk. Brisk. Ryan Rabinowitz, Julian Mitchell here with you. Hikaru Kudo behind the glass. Julian, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm okay, Julian. I'm okay. Um, You know, obviously a a tough game to watch yesterday that we'll get into, but things are good. I went to the Cider Mill yesterday. I know we just had our recent Sparty Awards about the fall festivities, so I will say, man, everyone was on point last night at Uncle John's with the uh, with the outfits. That sounds good. That sounds. What you What you go for? Flannel and jeans, or what no? Was the combo? I I had a I had to coach in the morning our uh, 2010 uh, Lansing Spartans oh, hockey that's right. club to the underprivileged youth. Yes, exactly. If there's any girls out there, I am a very <laughs> charitable man. Um, so I was wearing my coaching attire, some uh, some gray golf pants, and my uh, my my hockey coat. So I didn't look great, but it was it was nice looking at everyone else, not in a weird way, but I just appreciated. <laughs> I rolled up with three dudes who were wearing flannels in the in okay, some nice. Patag- Patagonia vest, mm. which we didn't we didn't mention that when we did our Sparty Awards for Patagonia fall festivities. The Pat- Patagonia is is peak peak season for Patagonia. It is fall. peak season, so that was a good time. But uh, other than that, man, I don't know. You know, it's things are things are somber today. I don't know if it's just me. But I feel like the vibe's just not there. I feel it. I feel it. I don't know what it was because I didn't even do anything last night. But I, feel, I kind of just feel dead inside. You know? <laughs> oh, that's not. That's not great. That's a little. <laughs> that's that's a lot. I think part of it too is yesterday we had to turn the heat on in my house. By the way, mm. so I, I I feel like turning your heat on in your house in October it's a sign of defeat is like a psycho move. Like we've now thrown the towel on. But our house was built in like. 1805 so there's no insulation at all beautiful home though thank you very much beautiful home there's like i feel like there's like newspaper in the walls like there's nothing that's (laughs) keeping me warm so i throw seven blankets on me when i'm sleeping and i wake up shivering like when uh like when spongebob and patrick get stuck in sandy's dome oh yeah i know exactly what you're talking about i'm so cold i'm shivering that line that's a famous patrick (laughs) star line um but either way um I just want to get right into the football game, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Let's jump right into it. Uh, so obviously, Michigan State now now moving to four and three on the season after losing to Wisconsin at Camp Randall, uh, thirty eight to nothing. Yeah, thirty eight to nothing. Uh, some quick stats for you on Michigan State's end, because honestly, there weren't many stats, so it's going to be real quick. Brian Lewerke, seven for sixteen through the air again. You heard that correctly, fifty three yards and one interception. I believe I actually had better stats in my IM football game a couple days ago. Uh, Tariq Thompson, one carry for twenty yards, and if you don't recognize that name, it's because he's not actually a running back, but he had the uh, most rushing yards of any Spartans yesterday with that twenty yard run on the fake punt. Uh, so that was cool to see. I will read you some stats from the. Wisconsin side of the ball because it was much more impressive than what your Spartans did yesterday. Jack Cohen, 18 for 21 through the air, 180 yards and a touchdown. Now that's a nice stat line. Jonathan Taylor, potential Heisman winner this year, 26 carries, 80 yards, two touchdowns on the day. Uh, So Julian, I told you before coming in here, I wasn't going to go scorched earth. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any reason to because um, I think as I as I said to you and I quote from myself, 
Uh, if you are a Michigan State fan, you are looking at your worst nightmare right now. You you lived yesterday at three from three thirty p.m. to I don't know five thirty six o'clock whenever that football game ended. Uh, you you lived your nightmare yesterday in that when the off season came around after last season for Michigan State. And the big question was, okay, the offense was abysmal all year long, and you had a championship-caliber defense, and now what are you going to do about the offense? What changes do you make to elevate this team to the next level? And if you want to say restore them to championship level of winning Rose Bowls, winning the Cotton Bowl, going to the playoff, winning Big Ten championships. And obviously Mark D'Antonio chose to do next to nothing. He shuffled the deck, uh, which for me – I didn't hate it because I thought Brad Salem was a decent mind to bring in, and I understand the the continuity and you know trying to keep. I, I don't. I never looked at that as something that was like a you know these are D'Antonio's buddies. He's gonna get everyone paid. I looked at it as it's hard to build continuity within a program of, of any sort of any sport. Yep. Uh, so this is what you do, and one of two things are gonna happen. It's gonna work, and he's gonna look like a genius, and everyone that was all the naysayers are gonna be happy because the team's gonna be undefeated rolling into Michigan, and then you go beat Michigan in Ann Arbor, and it's great, and we're celebrating, and things are great. Or you're living in your reality of what you're seeing now, and things didn't really work out the way you hoped. And so, to me, I don't have a ton of comments to make on the game, and before I get into my overarching problem here at Michigan State, uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I think we said earlier this year, too, you know, how it was going to be a matter of how many times are we going to talk about games where, you know, the defense holds you up, but the offense lets you down. And yesterday, on either side of the ball, uh, things were, were, were quite bad. And, you know, I, I, I know that it might be an overreaction or a knee-jerk thing to say maybe the defense was a bit overrated because I know Wisconsin's a good team. Okay, Even last year, I know the record doesn't reflect it. They've been building something over there in Wisconsin that I think now is really finally coming to fruition. But it, it, it seems to me like this Michigan State defense might not exactly be what you thought you had all along. I don't think you're wrong. What, 30-plus points, three straight games. Indiana, Ohio State, Wisconsin. 30-plus points. A line that supposed to be able to apply pressure against a quarterback who, good, not great, no pressure to him. He looks like a god. 18 for 21 was his completion rate. Uh, I think 180 yards for him. Yeah, 180 yards and a touchdown. Not anything glorious, not anything to go, oh, I went off against Michigan State, but enough to say that I looked like I was the best player on the field um, from Jack Cohen. And that's and that's all he had to do. That's all he had to do. I mean, with anything, and this is why I get so frustrated with Michigan State's defense and in in any defense that I watch in football, when you don't apply pressure to the quarterback, anyone that's playing at the collegiate level or the professional level, if you give them enough time to throw, they'll find someone. Because it's hard for your defensive. It's just it's just football one on one. Your defensive backs can't cover long enough to to. You know, to to force a quarterback to make a play or to use his feet or get out of the pocket and be uncomfortable. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say Jack Cohen's one of the best quarter best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. But with that stat line, if you didn't watch the game, you go, "Wow, this guy's going to the NFL," and that's what he looked like. I mean, you don't he doesn't have to well, you don't have to make difficult plays or, or or make plays under pressure. I mean, anyone can look good and. 
again, I mean, obviously you have Jonathan Taylor who averaged 3.1 yards per carry, so not tremendous, but he he does enough to get to get in the end zone, and obviously he's a he's a great talent and someone who will continue to be in the Heisman discussion at the end of the year. But I just think the thing that bothered me the most in watching yesterday's game, and I'm always someone who tries to be very optimistic and it's not over till it's over. And even yesterday when I was coaching the little guys, I was like, hey, you know, you never give up in life and sports or whatever. You know, you give it your all. And that comes down to a character thing and a, t- a mental toughness thing and even a coaching thing. Michigan State just looked like a mess. Like from from the moment things started to kind of fall apart and points started going up on the board for Wisconsin, I just thought they crumbled, and that to me is is inexcusable. And that com- that comes back on coaching too. And I I understand Mark D'Antonio's not a, an eccentric, you know, Jim Harbaugh type guy where you see every ounce of emotion in him, but just his body language and the look on his face all day long was really troubling to me. And that's that's something that just it's kind of how D'Antonio is, but it starts at the top. And I just felt like from from him on down, the energy level was poor, the effort was poor, and they sucked. They sucked. Every every player on the field for Michigan State was bad yesterday. Just, I mean, I and I hate to pick on on kids that are younger than me, and I get it's just a game, but it's like Michigan State, you know, puffs his chest like we're this big, you know, we're going to smack you in the mouth and play physical football and we're going to be in the game with anyone and it doesn't matter who we're playing or where we're playing, we're going to be in the game. Well, you almost gave one away to Indiana, who's that's that's not a football program over there. I'm sorry. Ohio State pulled your pants down on national television and now Wisconsin did it again. So your identity is Michigan State football. Like what is this? And I believe it was Graham Couch who wrote the article of whatever the line was of it's an end of an era for Michigan State football. It is. I didn't read the article. Sorry, Graham. It is. Are you not this a subscriber to the Lansing State Journal? I'm not. No, I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. I don't do a lot of reading. I do a lot of <laughs> video game playing and TV watching. But uh, this is, I mean, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. That's what it is. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Because as I said earlier, you and I have had this conversation. You know, what is this team's identity? Here's your three, here's your three, four games. Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan. What are you gonna do? And you go on national television and you lay down and die. And I don't I don't I can't tolerate that kind of stuff. I can't. So maybe shame on me. I'll say shame on me for believing in this team. I'm sorry. I said eleven and one. I came on here and I sat in this chair and I and I told you, Julian, this team's gonna go eleven and one, and they're gonna win the Big Ten, and we're all gonna dance and sing and frolic in the streets, and there's gonna be rainbows and sunshines, and we're gonna eat glitter until we throw up all over ourselves, and we're throwing up on ourselves because this team looked like crap yesterday. Crap. That's a fact. I, you put it. You put all of my thoughts. Right out there. Including the glitter. Including including the glitter. glitter. Including the glitter. But I think what it comes down to, first off, to to start off with your point about the culture. The thing about this is that this program, this team, D'Antonio himself, has prided himself, has prided this program on being what they call Spartan dogs. Exactly. Dogs go out and eat. They go out and get what's theirs. Yes, exactly. There's no dog in the fight anymore. And it doesn't, it doesn't, to me, you said it happened when points started going on the board. They came into this game with no dog in the fight. I, I could look Fair. at Brian Lewerke and I can see on his face, there's no dog left in him. I could look at the defense, there's no dog left in them. They got gut punched by Ohio State. And, you know, Spartan teams of old, they would have come back and beat the crap out of Wisconsin. Yes. And that's a fact. Yes. 
This team, they got thrashed by Wisconsin. Shut out. Nothing. That's Nothing. Zero points. Zero top. points. Zero points. And to me, I'm disappointed in this game. I personally, I wasn't as optimistic as everyone else. This team, defense was good, but name me a couple other players on this team. I wish I could. Wish, wish you could. <laughs> no one's creating separation <laughs> in the wide receivers. Yep. Working's good, not great. I, there was nothing to me that really showed me that this team was going to be that great. The thing that frustrates me and the thing that I think angers a lot of Michigan State fans is I don't think there is any prediction of how this is going to change. Because you look at the coaching side and you say, okay, D'Antonio's here. Clearly, there is a problem with him only shuffling the deck and not bringing someone new in. Who's going to tell Mark D'Antonio, the face of the Michigan State football program, the face of Michigan State athletics, to fire his friends and get somebody else? Right. Because it for sure isn't Bill Beekman. Let's be honest. Yeah. The, <laughs> the problem, and I, I do want to, I should credit uh, Professor Joanne Gerstner for saying this in class, but the problem Michigan State has created is that the way they advertise this football team and even the basketball team as well is through the coach. When you think of Michigan State football, you think of Mark D'Antonio. Right. Yeah. Who's going to fire Mark D'Antonio? I don't, I don't know. I don't know who's going to fire him. Because there's no one as an AD right now who, I mean, and I don't, I'm not to crap on Bill Beekman. Don't know the guy. Could be very great. Could be really good at his job. But he's put in a situation where he hasn't been here. And now he has to make a very, very, very strong decision on what to do with the coach that is Hall of Fame level. That is very good. That has brought this program to what it is. But how can you expect to make that decision when you don't? He has zero power in this situation. And I think that's, as you said, is is probably the scariest thing for for me and Michigan State fans. I look, I don't I don't want to despite all of, you know, how I run my mouth on here about the culture and whatever and this and that. I don't want to discredit what Mark D'Antonio has done at this school. I don't think anyone is. But, you know, to me, it's either adapt or die. Like, we can sit here and we can talk about Michigan State being a slightly above average team for the next X amount of years. But it's just frustrating because you've seen all these years of of greatness and football prominence, and it's starting to just kind of fade away. And as you said, there's really, I don't want to call it light at the end of the tunnel, but you have no way out because... I'm not one who's calling for Mark D'Antonio's head. I'm really not. I'm not. I just think his supporting cast is so poor that you've now you have you're now past the point where you can rely on your players and who you've recruited as you have in the past to carry your team. Obviously, Mark D'Antonio is a great football mind. I think he's a great football coach. He is a Hall of Fame coach, but you're now having to. You need to retool this program in a way that you that you didn't have to do years ago. And that's where that my whole adapt or die thing comes in. I'm not saying that you have to go five wide spread offense, run all over the field like Oklahoma does or like Michigan tries to do, which they really can't, because you see a team like Wisconsin – that all you have to do is let them play big boy football. It's not that hard. And for a, for a program and a coach that prides itself on, we're going to run the ball 40, 40 times a, a game, well, if you only get 16 yards on the ground from your lead running back, it's kind of hard to do. So figure it out. Your offensive line sucks. They've sucked for a handful of years. Your offensive line coach sucks. Your tight end coach sucks. They're not good. 
So figure it out, coach. Like that's that's what's frustrating to me. There's no way out. This is it. There's no way out. This was your last year, Julian. There, there. Bocce gone. Willikis gone. Panashuk gone. Like the, the, these guys are leaving, graduating, or moving on to the NFL. All your players. Lewerke's gone, and some people don't care about that. But if you saw what Rocky Lombardi did for you yesterday, you're probably oh, you're probably rethinking that that assessment of how bad you want Lewerke out of here. And I, I've defended Brian Lewerke all year long. I have because I understand that quarterbacking also comes down to the offensive line that you have or lack thereof, and your your running ability, which Michigan State had none. But seven for sixteen, bro. Like that's that's. To me, Michigan. By the way, only 16 pass attempts goes to show you how little Michigan State touched the football. Whatever the time of possession was that I saw at the end of like like close to the second half, where it was like five minutes for Michigan State and like 19 for Wisconsin. I mean, that shows you a lot. Like that's like Lions football. Like we're gonna have the ball for 45 seconds and punt away. Like that's it's it's just I it's. It's frustrating, and I know I said I wasn't going to get mad, but it's just like I like thirty-eight nothing is embarrassing if you're like for Michigan State football. It, there's no excuse. There's no excuse I, to lose thirty-eight nothing. You're not. You're not Tulsa. You're not Akron. You're not Novi High School. You're Michigan State. So if you can't come out and, and rise above a loss to Ohio State, which is a Top four team in the nation, maybe top three, two, one, whatever you want to say, and you can't figure it out and rally the troops against Wisconsin. Who are you now? Hey, you're right, and I think what was clear in this game and what's been clear over the last three games is that you look at Wisconsin and you look at obviously Ohio State's been there, but Michigan State has always prided itself on getting the guys and at least being able to work to that level. I think at this point you look at Wisconsin and you say these teams are passing Michigan State by. Wisconsin has built a team over there. Like the fact that they have gone out, they've gotten guys, they end up with a Jonathan Taylor, that offensive line is homegrown, that's built, that's recruited players, and they're better than Michigan State. Teams are passing the Spartans by. This is multiple years of falling apart, of taking a step back. And I think I'm not going to call for him to be fired. But what I think, I and I think you said it right, this is the end of an, end of an era. And I think at this point, you close the book on the Mark D'Antonio area. I don't think that is too crazy to say. Because I think at a certain point, you get to a point with a coach where you say, all right, your time is done. You have done everything you can for this program. Is there anything left he can do? And I don't, I don't want to throw anything on his side. I don't know him. I don't know what's going on in his head. But as you pointed out, you look on the sideline, I don't see a coach who's got the fight anymore. I don't see it. I, I don't see a coach who's it. And I think Tom Izzo said it at, I think, a Big Ten media day or sometime recently. But someone had asked him, when would he know if it was time to hang it up? And he said, when I stop having fun, I stop being interested in what I'm doing. And again, I don't know D'Antonio, but from the looks of it, it looks like he's uninterested in what he's doing. And I think you made a good point earlier, too. Everyone talks about, like, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football. as like, he's got the keys to the kingdom. Like, Harbaugh ain't leaving unless he wants to. You're seeing the same thing here. Like, you really think, and I don't want to, this is by no means a shot at Bill Beekman because I think he gets a lot of unfair criticism because he's not a, doesn't have a sports background. But you really think that Bill Beekman's going to go to Mark D'Antonio and go, Mark, you're done here. 110 wins, whatever, 111, whatever it may be now. You know, you're. this is it. You're done. 
No way. That conversation doesn't happen. So he's either going out on his own terms as far as, you know, I don't know, whatever the, everyone likes to make up the rumors like this is his last year or whatever. If it is, then like it's been a great run, like you would tip your cap and whatever. But if if D'Antonio is going to stay here, and we said the same thing last year, you have to look at him and go, okay, if you're not going to make the necessary changes, like I don't know what good you do here anymore. So and of course we can, if you want to touch on the comment that he made of obviously everyone, I don't know if we have that audio. I don't know. I don't know what words I can say on, on the air or not. Cause he used a, a potty mouth word uh, when responding to Hondo about when asked about like, you know, is, was it a mistake to not make the coaching changes to which Mark said it was a dumb question to ask at this point in the season, seven games in. And I, I mean, I think it's valid. Like, is that not a reasonable question to ask? Maybe it wasn't phrased in the best way of like, "Hey, did you did you completely screw up last year by not by doing what you did?" No, but I don't think he can be mad. That's what you chose to do. Yeah, you chose to keep your guys when everyone in America, the media, the fans, everybody told you, "Don't keep your guy." Get another guy, and he said, "No, I'm gonna bet on myself. I'm gonna bet on my guys and shuffle the deck." You can't you can't make a decision like that and then expect seven games in after you get thumped by Wisconsin to not get that question. Like what what do you expect? This is your job. This is how you get evaluated on the decisions that you make yeah. both in game and out of game. And one of your out of game decisions was to reshuffle the deck. So now is the time, Mark, with a loss to Arizona State, with a loss now to Wisconsin and a loss to Ohio State. What went wrong what is the problem here because i think everybody else can tell you what it is and you know i it's just it's again i i I couldn't tell you i can't tell you confidently that things will change again this offseason and that's what everyone said last offseason too like i don't know if i can if i can sell you on the fact that a new oc is going to come in and whatever i i I don't know what to tell you, but but we we talked about this end of an era thing, and that's kind of what I want to finish with as we move on from to do other things today. Um, yeah, we got other sports to talk about, right? And we probably should because they're performing a lot better than this football team. But with this end of an era, I just think you know it's it's kind of sad, and I I think that your your telltale sign of it is again your performance yesterday against Wisconsin. What you've kind of seen building here with the 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 offense or lack thereof, and now your defense has kind of faltered. Because next year, when you lose a lot of the guys that I mentioned, you know, I I don't know what you really have to look forward to. Like if you're if you're gonna sit here and tell me, oh, when Rocky Lombardi comes in at quarterback next year for the Spartans, it's gonna be a this is a nine and three team. I tell you, you're crazy. I mean, sure you you bring back Elijah Collins. I mean, you're 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 losing Ladarius Jefferson and Connor Hayward to the transfer portal. Like that's two pieces of your offense that, granted, not superstars. I don't think they they really showed you what you wanted to see if you were a Spartan fan. But I don't. I've as a as a guy that tries to be optimistic because I just genuinely love Michigan State. I love Michigan State football. I love watching the team and supporting the team because sports are not fun if you're going to be you know old grandpa on the couch of this team stinks why would i watch whatever i'm not going to spend the money then i I would encourage you to find a new hobby like collecting stamps so my thing is like i the optimism for me has kind of started to falter and that's sad it's like you know it's it's like it's like watching you like watching your best friend walk out on you it's like like seeing your dog start to deteriorate it's not a it's not a nice feeling but it's reality and i now have to look myself in the mirror every morning when i roll out of bed 
and go, this is it for you, Ryan. You're done. Your team's done. This is it. The I wish I had some like 300 or like Spartacus reference that I could use that like is some parallel to the, the, the empire has fallen. Rome has fallen. Whatever. Like this is, I mean, I, unless you think I'm crazy. And I don't mean, again, don't mean to be knee-jerk guy. They get blown out, blow up the whole program. But it's just it's it's just a sign of the times. To quote Harry Styles, it's a sign of the times. <laughs> and it just happens. It, it just happens. I don't know if this, I don't say it's a knee-jerk reaction. I think it's just looking around at the landscape of what's going on and saying, let's be honest with ourselves. Mark D'Antonio wasn't going to coach for another 30 years. Right. It was going to end at some point. And I, I think 38 nothing Wisconsin, <laughs> I, 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 this is a sign. It's just my, again, my, my optimism is, is very low. Because now, now this year, like, playing for a New Year's Six, okay. You're gonna, I, I, I can't confidently say that you're going to beat Penn State on the road. I mean, at home, excuse me. I, 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 no longer can I sit here and go, that's a win. I mean, Michigan, I think you're actually better than Michigan somehow. But, I mean, if you show up like you did against Wisconsin, you're not winning that game. I'll tell you that for free. So now it's a matter of my – the only thing I care about this year is beating Michigan. That's it. Do whatever whatever else you have to do. It is what it is. This team, I don't know. I have a friend coming in town to go to for the Penn State game. I don't even want to go to the game with him. Like, that was our thing. We'll, we'll go to the game. We'll make a day out of it, whatever. I, 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 there's no reason to. Why spend the money and go sit there in the cold? Like this is this, this is you're gonna see the same thing. Your defense might show up a bit better because I think Wisconsin just plays such a hard, gritty style yeah. of football. But either way, I don't know. It's it's. I, I'd have to read Graham Couch's article because I'm sure it highlights a lot of what we're saying. And I don't mean to like completely rip the guy off of his tagline, but he's right. Way to go, Graham. It's an end of an era for Michigan State football. You're gonna see this team. Probably lose two more games this year, maybe a game or two. I'd have to imagine, and then you move into next year, and I'm not, I'm not quite sure what, where your optimism comes from because it ain't Rocky Lombardi, it ain't the, it ain't whoever's left on defense. If anyone's left on defense from Michigan State, it ain't the offense. So whatever. Yeah, and I just to to clear up for everyone, if you are a subscriber to Lansing State Journal, and I do recommend subscribing to them. Great place, great writers. Uh, Graham Couch's uh, column uh, titled D'Antonio's Future on Center Stage After Thumping by Badgers. The um, the description for it, there's another name for it, I'm blanking on it. But D'Antonio admits his program's talent, his program's talent shortcomings. He has to decide if he has the energy and desire to fix them. That is what we continue to reference. And by suggestion, go out and read it. Graham Couch does really great work. Well, let's uh, we'll, we'll put the we'll put the kibosh on Michigan State football today because I I mean we'll, okay, we talk about it again in the second half of the show. Um, I will throw the number out before we go do some MSU soccer here. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three is the number to call. Five one seven eight eight four eight nine eight nine if you want to text in or join the conversation on Twitter at WDBM Sports hashtag GW Report. Uh, we will move on from football to football. Uh, Luca Maloney, welcome on to the Green and White Report, your 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 rookie debut here. No pressure all at right, all. Thank you. Uh, so, listen, Michigan State soccer, not having a tremendous year either, but uh, it is what it is. We still got to talk about it. Uh, the Spartans, a little bit of a struggle this year. Overall record of 2-6-3. Uh, picked a road win in overtime this past Sunday over Wisconsin. Would have been nice if the football team could have done the same thing. Uh, they continued their solid play against the defending champs, number 25-ranked Maryland on Friday, and they earned a tie with the club in a rain-soaked affair that you were at that game. Uh, what did you see in that game from the Spartans? 
Well, from the start, uh, you're playing a really big team in Maryland. They're really good, really composed. And one of the things that MSU did good in the first half was being compo- was being composed enough to move the ball around. Defensively, they were solid in the first half. I thought it was a great. And then, obviously, the goal came right before the halftime for MSU. Really big. You know, when you go into the second half with a goal up, you get a little bit of confidence against a big team. But as the game continued, Maryland was desperate to get their chances in. You know, they were knocking one in. I mean, second half, I'd say the possession was 80-20 at most. They were knocking chances in. I mean, the goalie made a huge impact for MSU. I mean, I think it would have been three or four goals up for Maryland. And, you know, right down to the last 10 minutes, they get a goal right from a set-piece routine, headed right into the corner. And overall, I mean, Maryland, that's what Maryland deserved to get in the end, is my opinion. And one of the biggest takeaways I've had, and especially from this game and so far this season, has been the impressive play of uh, goalkeeper Hunter Morse. He currently leads the Big Ten in saves per game with five a game. And he goes out and puts a good couple performances together against Wisconsin and now Maryland. What have you seen from him, especially in this game, but also throughout the season, and what his coach has to say about him? Well, um, defensively, MSU has been a really good team. So you, you praise the goalie, and then you also praise the defensive line of MSU. Uh, their discipline, their composure is definitely one thing that's, uh, that separates themselves from the rest in the Big Ten. But at the same time, they've played really good teams. And it, when if you get one or two behind you as a goalie, I mean, all you, can, all you have to do is stand up and praise yourself. You know, that's as much as you can do. And in the game against Maryland, he, it was great. You know, six Big save, a couple back-to-back saves, you know. And also defensively, there was a couple goal line clearances. I remember Nick Stone, the freshman, right back. He, I mean, he cleared one out for, out of the net. It was going in. The Hunter Morris was not going to get there, and he got it for him. So overall, you have to praise the goalie and praise the defense. On the other side now, moving away from the net, goals for Michigan State have been uh, been quite the issue. Obviously, you can't win games if you don't put pucks in the net, or in this case, soccer balls in the soccer net. Uh, so as of late, it seems like things are starting to click. Uh, so my question to you would be, what's what, what have you seen change, or what's now coming along for the Spartans that's kind of changed that narrative of a team that really can't score the ball? Well, as far as I know, uh, there have been a lot of injuries this season, and injuries on attacking players, so... You're starting to see more freshmen, sophomores come into the team, give a little bit more energy, and I think over the last couple of games, they've really scored on, I mean, young guys scoring now. It's been fantastic for them, and, you know, and obviously without your senior players there, without your veterans, you're always going to struggle to get some more goals in, but over the last, I say, three or four games, you know, they've started to put some in. You know, they're starting to get that confidence, and hopefully by next year, or maybe even later this season, they'll start getting more in and hopefully have a really good attacking squad. And, <clears throat> excuse me, the Spartans will now go on the road to take on the team that knocked them out of the College Cup last year in Akron. What are your expectations for that game, uh, and what do you see for the rest of the season for the Spartans? Well, I see a really tough game against Akron. I mean, they have a 2-8-1 and one record, but they have played some really tough teams. They played against uh, number 3-ranked Stanford. I mean, lost 2-1, you know, a one-goal difference against a really big team. They played Florida International, also ranked in the top 10. Um, they tied, I mean, 1-1. Is, I mean, if you look at the results, I mean, they're mm-hmm. not I mean, they're not superb, but they are really at that level where you can say, I mean, they're competing against these teams. And, of course, they played Maryland, and they had a slender loss, 1-0. So you can definitely tell that Akron's not going to be an easy game. Uh, Spartan's obviously away from home. 
have had a really good record and they've won a couple good away games and I'd expect to see a really good performance um Rensing was very proud of his boys after the game he he told them you know he he wants to keep the momentum going he said you know when you lose against a team uh, like Maryland you always have to try to get yourself better and I think they have really positive points from the last game that they can transfer over onto Akron and hopefully give a really good game the Spartans will travel to Akron, take on the Zips, correct? The Akron Zips? Zips. Whatever a zip is, that game's on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, Luke Maloney, we appreciate your time here talking men's soccer Thank you so with much us. for having me. It's of course, of course. Well, folks, we'll go to a quick break here. Julie and I will try to calm down a bit from that MSU football talk. If you want to join the show, 517-432-3893 is the phone number. You can text us at 517-884-8989 or tweet us at WDBM Sports using the hashtag GWReport. On the other side of this break, we have Michigan State field hockey with America's sweetheart, Nathan Stearns. Uh, we'll talk some, uh, some Major League Baseball playoffs, too, if you don't mind, because that is going on. And we told you we'd talk about it last week, but we didn't, so we will now. So stay tuned, folks. This is the Green and White Report. Impact 89 FM. Bringing you sports updates this Sunday and every Sunday. This is the Impact Sports Update. Football fell in their second straight last night, losing to the Wisconsin Badgers by a score of 38-0. The Spartans boasted just 149 yards of total offense in the game, compared to the Badgers' 402. The Spartans now fall to 4-3 on the season as they head into their bye week. MSU men's soccer took on Maryland at home Friday night, tying the Terrapins 1-1. The tie comes after the Spartans' road victory against the Wisconsin Badgers on Sunday, an overtime contest that ended 2-1 in favor of MSU. The Spartans are now 2-6-3 and, and will head out on the road to play Akron on Tuesday. The MSU women's soccer team fell in both of their matches this week, losing at home to the Iowa Hawkeyes 3-0 on Sunday before falling on the road to the Northwestern Wildcats 2-1 on Friday. The Spartans are now 8-5-1 on the season and just 1-4-1 in conference play. They continue their Big Ten conference schedule this afternoon, taking on Illinois on the road at 2 p.m. MSU, MSU volleyball lost in their match against Nebraska Friday night, Falling to the Cornhuskers three sets to one. 11 and 4 Spartans will now play Iowa this afternoon with match set to begin at 2 p.m. I'm Henry Menegos with your Impact Sports Update. For more, visit impact89fm.org slash sports. Welcome back to the Green and White Report. Thank you, Hank, for the update, as always. Very well done. Shout out my man, Hank. It's a great nickname. Anyone named Henry, I just call Hank these call days. Hank. <laughs> kind of like, like Henrik Lundqvist. Well, you call him, his name's not Henry, but Hank. Uh, either way. All right. Moving in now, 1130-ish, kind of a little, oh, 1137. Wow. That's on us. Taking too long talking about football. It just gets you fired up, you know? I know. And it's, it's, you know, not in a great way. It, it, it is a little annoying. We have to sit here and talk about it for so long rather than being like, oh, imagine if we were Alabama and you just get to sit here and go, hey, they won again this week. All yeah. right, that's it. Yeah. Move on to the next point. Alabama played the Citadel last night. Uh, yeah, but no, I, I think, too, back to the Michigan State football thing for a second. If if Michigan State loses to Penn State, I think I might go scorched earth on here. I don't think I've gone scorched earth yet this year. Might have been close. Yeah, you've had a couple of moments. I might you had go a couple, You had a couple of moments, but yeah, no full scorched earth yet. By the way, I, I don't think I mentioned, Luca Maloney might be the best name that we have here at Impact Sports. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's John, pretty John good. John Luca is his real first name. 
by the way. That's that's it huge. Is, it is. Yo, also shout out to him. Lives on my floor. It's my resident. Oh yeah, acres, acres made, baby. I, I breed, fantastic. I raise. Yeah, are your children of children of Acres West? <laughs> All right, we'll move into some Michigan State field hockey now with our with our dear friend Nathan Stearns. Nathan, how are you? I'm all right, guys. Doing a lot better since my Panthers are beating up on Captain Crablegs, so I'm doing great. All right, look at that. <laughs> I hate Captain James Crablegs. I love it. Uh, I do. If you don't mind, Julian, if I can ask Nathan Stearns about Michigan State football for a second, because I know Nathan Nathan Stearns on this station is like is like you Darvish in the sense of like he's got a whole mm-hmm. arsenal of knowledge and and passion and takes. You know, Darvish has the eleven pitches that none of them really work anymore, but. Uh, I know Nathan walked in here and was like, you know, I I agree with a lot of what you guys said about Michigan State football. If there's anything you'd like to add, or just add, why don't you pour some gasoline on the fire for the just for the heck of it? In my opinion, Mark has placed loyalty above winning above the program. He is, cares more about protecting and saving face for his assistance than actually winning. And when you put people above the end goal of winning, you have a serious problem. And the frustration stems partially from Wisconsin, but the bigger thing is it's a continuation of last year. Where's the improvement? Where is the new offense we were supposed to be seeing? Where was the new and improved healthy Brian Lewerke? That's what's so frustrating is that over these last 18 months, we've seen absolutely nothing to hang our hats on to believe that we're going in the right direction. We're seeing our secondary show chinks in the armor. We're showing us getting out-toughed at the point of attack. That used to be Mark D'Antonio's calling card. That old smash mouth style of football, you're going to go toe-to-toe in the trenches, and we were going to win every single time. And it's more than just losing 38 to Wisconsin. The core toughness identity of this program has to be put into question. That's where we're, we're at at this point. Because I can live with us losing to Ohio State and us losing to Wisconsin because they're better than we are. Let's, let's be honest. Yes, there are some sure. teams that you're going to play that are better than you, flat out. But what I saw was a lack of want to. Mark didn't even seem angry last night. Maybe I'm way off base here. Just seemed defeated. Like yeah. he's done. Like the emotional investment that he's poured into this program is gone. And it's hard to say that about a guy who brought this program back from the bowels of mediocrity. We won the Cotton Bowl. We won the Rose Bowl. He's done more than Captain Khakis will ever do in Ann Arbor. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we got to sit here and think, guys, that we're riding ourselves into mediocrity. We are riding ourselves into a point of oblivion where we're now at the same level almost Indiana is. Look at how much we struggle with Indiana. I think we're better than Maryland. We're better than Illinois. We're better than maybe Minnesota, but we're not better than Penn State right now. We're not better than Ohio State. We're not better than Iowa. We're not better than Wisconsin. And us in Michigan right now, that that game in a couple of weeks is going to look like the toilet bowl. It's yep. going to be absolutely horrible. So the problem I have with Mark is... He knew, as you said, shuffling the chairs on the Titanic. Our offense last year, the year before, and the year before that, middle tier if not lower. And the fact that it has been the same dang problem over and over and over again, and he's sitting there twiddling his thumbs, wondering what the Duke is going wrong. We're we're at that point now where his career is at a crossroads. Because if this doesn't get better and this doesn't get better quickly, there's going to be pitchforks and torches calling for his job. And, there, and I think part of it is fair. And they'll be coming from Cedar Village. Pitch, pitchforks, <laughs> pitchforks on fire coming to the uh, the football building. Uh, I, I appreciate your your insight there, and I'm I'm, I'm definitely glad I asked. Because again, it's it's all we're all on the same page here. 
But I know, like yeah. I said, he's the U Darvish of Im- of Impact Sports. I had to get I had to get his take. No one has better wordplay yeah. than Nathan Stearns. Yeah, like I, he is the yes. the Eminem <laughs> yes. of Impact Sports. His ability to mess with words is exactly beautiful. Exactly. Okay, so maybe we should talk about field hockey now because we're now just beating the proverbial dead horse. Uh, I hope Michigan State field hockey is not giving you as big of a headache. Um, when we last talked to you, they were coming off of a loss to Northwestern. They dropped two pretty ugly games to Iowa and Michigan, and then back to their winning ways on Friday with a with a one nothing win against Ohio University. Uh, your thoughts from that game? Well, first of all, it was an ugly, ugly, ugly game. The weather. The wind, the rain, it, you knew it was going to be a low-scoring game. Sure. So you got to give Michigan State props for gutting that win out. At times, it was really ugly for both sides. The problem I had, again, is Michigan State got outshot. 18-8 to this time by Ohio. They yielded more corners than they received. Jade Arundel was phenomenal again between the pipes. She came up with 12 saves. Ohio's goaltender only had four. But it comes to a larger problem again. Because, like I said, they deserve credit for winning that game. But... Even talking to Coach Knoll, she mentioned how that entire second half, they were playing not to lose the game. They were playing reactive. They were playing, in essence, prevent defense, which I can't stand. And it, it, it just reminded me so much of what has encapsulated this team over the last couple weeks. They'll go through stretches where they look good, and they go through stretches where they're trying not to lose. That aggressive tendency is something that they are still very much in the process of feeling out. You mentioned those horrible games against Michigan, they yielded 15 corners and didn't get one. 15 to nothing in the corner department. 35 to 1 shot on goal advantage for Michigan. That's a, that, by the way, a 35 to 1 shot, adva- disadvantage shot advantage for, yeah, yeah. For, that, for state. That's, that's disgusting. Bana- that's banana land. That's disgusting. One shot? Like, uh, how long does a field hockey game? Hour and a half. I mean, and they just, she was bombarded. <laughs> I wish everyone could see your face. She right was now. bombarded with shots. And she takes that personally, but if you're just going to basically allow your defense to stand there twiddling their thumbs and get shredded like Swiss cheese, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. During that three-game skid when they lost to Northwestern, Iowa, and Michigan, they were outscored 17-1. to They're now 0-5 against ranked teams this season. And in those five games that they played so far against ranked teams, they're getting outscored 23-2, to which is a little revealing, which is a little revealing. And I think it goes to say how far this team has to go. But by the same token, these young players, I don't want to say that there was a semblance of overconfidence after they started off four and one, but when you aren't used to winning, it gets addictive. You win two, three, four games. You love that taste Mm -hmm. and start thinking that you're invincible. And I don't want to say that I think they needed to be put in their place a little bit, but once you start playing real non-NAC schools, once you start playing real schools, the cream of the crop, so to speak, you really have to take a hard look at yourself in the mirror and ask what you're made of because this season's not over. They play Wake Forest uh, in about 15 minutes from Winston-Salem, who's the 20th ranked team in the country. They play Maryland coming up, who's the second ranked team in the country. So there's still a lot to play for. They actually have a home. So for anyone out there listening right now, come out and see field hockey because they have two games at home next weekend against Penn State and I believe Rutgers is ranked number 18th. So some really big games coming up, but they're going to have to turn something around and quickly because they they don't look the same when they play these ranked opponents. They look like a deer almost caught in the headlights, so to speak. And, you know, I want to ask you, because reading reading your article for Impact Sports, your column post uh, this last game against Ohio, first off, you started 
amazingly, referencing Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Seasons. Very, it was a wonderful lead. <laughs> wonderful lead. Uh, but reading your quotes and reading what it, it sounded like players had to say, it, it very much seems like they're starting to realize the work that needs to be done to continue to play at this level, to continue to get wins. Starting to say, oh, you know, our prep for Iowa-Michigan wasn't great. But we put in some prep time for this game. And I want to ask, because we've talked about a tale of two seasons, we've seen them win and we've seen them lose. Is this game a turning point? Or do you even see there being a turning point for this Michigan State team? Or is it just going to have to take the entirety of this season for them to truly realize that they have a pretty good team, they just need to learn to put in the work, and that it's going to take more than a couple of games to do that? Let me make it perfectly clear. I do not doubt this team's ability to work and their work ethic. It's execution. That needs to be strived right now. You can work in game plan and come up with the perfect game plan until you're blue in the face. And that's a testament to the coaches. They have She recognizes what the problems are. But she can't go out and fix them for you. You have mm-hmm. to take the onus on and the advantage on yourself. So it's an execution thing at this point. It's the same thing as she was mentioning, a playing reactive, playing on your back foot, becoming discombobulated in your own offensive zone and running around in circles. It's like It's the same thing in hockey. It's the same exact thing. If you're pl- if you're backed up in your own zone all the time, you can't get a clear, and you're playing reactive, trying to nurse a one-goal lead, you're not going to win the game because you're not playing aggressive and you're not going full force. And I don't want to sound like Debbie Downer here. I really don't because I think, as I've written, there's been a genuine increase in talent this year. There's been a genuine uptick in production, and that's encouraging to see. I mean, they've already, they've already eclipsed what – the amount of games they won last year. They're six and six right now. They're 500. But if you're getting outshot by a two to one margin against a max school who was coming, came into that game at five and four, a decent max school, not a great max school. I have a hard time going on here and saying, you're going to go down to Winston Salem in a 36 hour period, a quick turnaround and win that game against an ACC school, because that is a huge competition disparity between Wake Forest and Ohio. So they have one Mac team left on their schedule against Central Michigan. That's a game I think they can win. But other than that, I, I don't know. I really don't. I I want to sit here and say that I think they can beat these ranked teams, but there's been nothing to hang your hat on. They're 0-5. It's hard to hang your hat when you're getting outscored 23-2 to in these ranked games. I mean, when, you're, when Michigan, to quote Rabinowitz, pulls your pants down, it's just you can't put a positive spin on it. You cannot put a positive spin on it. So... I think this is one of those things where it's going to be a learning transition year. I would really like to see them. I'd like to see nothing more than to go down to Winston-Salem and go toe-to-toe with Wake Forest. Because whether they win or not, I want them to be in that final period with a chance to win. A chance. That's all you can give yourself. Because when you're down 3-4-5-0 at halftime, it's over before it started. And that's the problem with this team. Is They don't know how to stop the bleeding. They don't know how to say, okay, we screwed this up. Let's regroup. And let's come out and refire. They get down on themselves. They have a tendency, I think, sometimes. As Coach Noel mentioned after that game, they were beating themselves up pretty hard after that Michigan game because you start to question what you're made of when you go to your arch-rival's place in a ranked matchup and get thrashed so thoroughly. And then after that 7-8-9 playing number 7th ranked Northwestern, 8th ranked Iowa, ninth ninth ranked Michigan, when you get just absolutely outplayed in all three phases of the game, you start to question what your medal is. And for a young team like that, that's a hard lesson to swallow. You're not in high school anymore. You're not just going to body everybody you play and go in, you know, unabated to the goal. 
you're going to actually have to work and you're going to have to execute and you're going to have to listen to what your coach is telling you. And that's the difference between high school and college. And I think there's still a little bit of that learning transition is you can't go out there and just out athlete everyone and win anymore. And that's a lesson that I think it's going to take the rest of the year to learn. That Michigan State and Wake Forest game, about 10 minutes here until that, uh, is that what is it, it was a puck drop? How do you even, what's the what's the term? It's not kickoff, obviously, or tip-off. It's face-off off? Pass, pass back. Pass back's the official, officially official okay. term. To the, to the first pass back of the game. <laughs> All right. 10 minutes away from there. Uh, Nathan Stearns, of always, we appreciate your uh, field hockey talk. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Do you mind if we, can we keep you on for baseball? Absolutely. Is that okay with you? We bring on, we'll bring on your roommate, Luke Sloan, now. <laughs> it's a Rather Hall takeover here in Studio Yeah, H. look at that. The boys, wow. The boys are here. Uh, Luke Sloan, I believe it might be your first appearance on the show this year. Yeah, potentially. I think this is my 2019, 2020. Oh, the music is getting queued up. <laughs> yes. I'm excited now, but happy to be here, gentlemen. It's been a good minute. We figured if we're, we we would be doing a disservice to the uh, community if we didn't talk Major League Baseball playoffs because the playoffs are happening, and obviously we don't talk baseball a ton. But you're the guy to bring on to talk baseball again. Nathan Stearns pulled this one out of the bag for him. So he's a baseball guy as well. Um, okay, we'll move into. Let's get into the series now. Obviously, we're into the we're in the championship series here. There's a couple couple headlines that I want to touch on and some and some past series as well. Uh, the NLCS Julian's Cardinals unfortunately are down two games to nothing against the Nationals and the NLCS. Yep, yep. yep. That's okay. Hang in there. The ALCS uh, that game happened last night. Astros and Yankees. The Yankees took that one seven nothing. I believe it was the final. Uh, so the Yankees are up in that series, uh, one to nil. First of all, Julian, are you sweating a little bit now? The Cardinals are down two nothing. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm kidding. No, very worried. Oh man, I like the confidence there. For a <laughs> side. I was gonna say, I I, I See, saw right through that confidence, the fake, the fake confidence. He's wearing the red today in the studio. I am, I Can't am see wearing that red. Sunday red. He's deluding himself. He's I, in a I state of a delusion. And, and bat hanging up in my in my room. Um. Yeah. Yeah, little little worried. the The four hits since putting up thirteen on the Braves and is very scary. Uh, the fact that uh, Mike Schultz hasn't restructured the lineup with knowing only two of those hits came from Jose Martinez, and he has not played. Only has two at bats. Um, that's very scary. The pitching of the Nationals scary as well. So not a, a whole lot, you know, being very happy uh, for me at the moment. But, you know, it, it's kind of been what the Cardinals have done and happened with the Braves as well. You know, give them a chance to bring it back to St. Louis, and things will get interesting. Luke, I, I looked at the Nationals coming into this postseason, and, and quite honestly, I believe I probably said last week too or whatever I was talking about baseball for a bit, I, the Nationals were never a team that I considered that have any chance of yeah. getting to this series but also being up to nothing in this series and actually staring at a World Series in the face. So my question to you is: Do you now being up to nothing? Are you looking at more on the side of they're going to blow it and the Cardinals are, about, are definitely winning this series? Are the Nationals a legitimate team now in your eyes? I think the Nationals are pretty legit. You know, it's been a roller coaster season for them. Everybody has chronicled how they started nineteen and thirty-one on the season. You know, Dave Martinez, their manager, there was a lot of heat on him early in the season. And then really they just gelled as a team and got they really got going down the stretch. And, you know, there were a few experts going into this season saying, you know, if the Washington Nationals were to make a little run in the postseason, they can be dangerous because of their starting pitching. Yeah. And unfortunately for the Cardinals, that's what they're going up against in games three and four. Steven Strasburg in game three, Patrick Corbin in game four, both of them are going to be well-rested and healthy. You know, St. Louis is going to counter with... Uh, Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson, who are both good in their own right, 
but Washington has played outstanding baseball at home in D.C. And really, I really don't see this series going anywhere else but a sweep in the favor of the Nationals. As I look over at Julian, I hate to tell, I hate to, I hate to break it to you, but their pitching is just. Dominant. Uh, the pit, the pitching is is absolutely dynamite. I, I'm still not betting sweep. There's gonna be. I think at some point there's gonna be a game that the batters figured out. I think that has been the problem. Is that compared to the Braves, Scherzer, Annabelle Sanchez have just been very, very aggressive with their pitching. They have not left anything over the middle. They're making them chase, and I think that's been the biggest thing. And I don't know. I think at some point in one of these games, maybe it comes down to a four that the bats will start to figure it out. The cards will figure it out and start to realize and look for their pitches. But that's been the problem. And I do agree with you. You look down the pipe and it's, you know, the rest of that starting pitching staff is ready to go. And then you come turn around and Annabelle Sanchez and Serge are still there again. Oh, don't talk about my Tigers. That's, that's, t- a, that's, a that's tough spot. to beat. That's, that's tough to spot. beat. So I will say the Nationals have looked the part. And it is that that is the reason that I'm sweating. Is that <laughs> the starting pitchers you're going to throw out there on the mound? Unreal. Unbelievable. I was going to say, are you guys also a little uh, sick to your stomach watching Scherzer and Anibal Sanchez go back-to-back nights of almost throwing no-hitters in a, in a championship series playoff game? It reminds us of 2013, the year they should have won it all. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, oh Brad Osmith. Shout out to my man <laughs> over in Los Angeles. Oh, my God. Didn't he get fired? Yes, he did. Already? He only yes, he did yeah. one, one year with season. The Can you believe that? I can't believe he was hired in the first place. I know. I just, that's, they got, uh, they're going to bring in the right guy, Joe Madden, this time around. But hey, that one year Brad Osmith's experiment was failed. But, you know, as much as I love postseason baseball, you know, watching uh, Sanchez, you know, I kept I kept checking in and checking in, and then I didn't realize what was going on until, like, after the fifth or sixth inning, and yeah. I was like, I mean, the way he changed speeds and, and, yeah. and really, you know, commanded the zone was just, re- it was like the Anibal Sanchez of, of the old days, and then Scherzer's just a bulldog. Yeah. I mean, I loved his attitude on the mound when he was in Detroit, and he's just gone to a whole new level since going to Washington, you know. I don't want to be salty Tigers fan. You know, obviously <laughs> Justin Verlander got that World Series with Houston in, I believe, 2017. Um, you know, I, I want to see these guys succeed. I want to see them get what they were not able to in Detroit. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing, too, that you have to touch on is the fact, look at where they've been. They are the Browns slash Lions of Major League <laughs> that Baseball. Is true. And they've had, and I think another thing that's important to remember is they've had no pressure on them. It's easy to win when nobody's giving you a shot when you get to play the role of Cinderella. And that's what they're doing right now. And it's hard not to cheer for them. It's hard not to wish to see them good to go against the big, bad, big, big, bad Yankees. Big market, small market. Yep. You're already uh, you're already calling for those Yankees to make the World Series? I am. I Ooh. am. I saw, I saw a lot last night. I saw a lot last night. They got Houston backtracking right now because they thoroughly whooped them last night. Now let's move into that series. That's a great site. Do you have something to add there, Julian? Sorry. No, I was just going to say, you know, if it is Yankees Nationals, that'll be very, very interesting. The pitching of the Nationals going up against the big bombers. Yeah. And and, I mean, you're kind of seeing what's kind of happening against the Astros and their pitching as well. But I think it'll be very interesting to watch Scherzer and those guys go up against the Yankees. So that series now, the ALCS, it seems like, like Stern's already thrown the towel in for the Astros. Do you agree with that, Luke Sloan? You know, I ultimately see the Yankees coming out on top in this series, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, some kind of sweep. I think it'll probably go to six or seven games. I mean, the Astros are, you know, sending Garrett Cole out there today, you know, who's, you know, could potentially win the Cy Young. Him or Verlander could potentially win the Cy Young this year. But really, you know, the Astros are built for this moment. They they know how to face adversity. They've been there. They've done that. And I have faith that they're going to make this a series. But really, 
you know, what the Yankees have going for them is they had that sweep over Minnesota. Their pitching had, you know, got some rest. They could really refuel for a run against the the Astros. You know, I haven't been high on their pitching all all season long of the Yankees, but with rest and with the hitters they have, I mean, Stanton's healthy, Judge is healthy. They both homered, or Stanton homered last night. I mean, it's hard to argue with the firepower they have in the lineup. I, I you know, it's it's a very interesting series here because these are I I would go on record saying this might be one of the best playoff series that I've seen in a very long time as far as two teams that have firepower pretty much everywhere on the field. And I look at last night's game and you know Zach Granke is is whatever he got you know exposed a little bit last night, but I mean when you have Verlander and Garrett Cole to your you know on your pitch in your pitching rotation, I don't care. Aaron Judge, whatever, whoever's on this Yankees team, that they obviously are a tremendous hitting team. Savages, as Aaron Boone liked to call them. This is a series that I could see going the distance. I just think you made a great point about, you know, the Astros have been here before. They have a World Series under their belt, and they pretty much have almost an identical roster to when they won that World Series. So in my eyes, I think that's something where you look at the Yankees team of having a lot of young guys, you know, your Judge and your Torres, and it, it's it's not a team that's been together for many years because the Yankees are a plug-and-play system and they spend their money and whatever. But I don't know, man. I think the, the Astros have played consistently solid baseball. I just think the Yankees, there's a certain point you're wait, waiting for the Yankees to kind of level off, aren't you? So I, I would like to see the Astros win this series because I can't stand the Yankees. I could agree more. Me neither. Even though my my, my grandfather, uh, Papa Irwin, loves the Yankees. I couldn't tell you why, but he does. Um, but sorry, Papa Irwin, I'd like the, the, the Astros to win this one. I think they will, actually. And if now we want to take this into some predictions here... Uh, overarching uh, even World Series. I'll put you guys on the spot and, and, and ask you what the World Series is going to be. Because Stearns is going to be the Yankees. I think you go Nationals as Absolutely. well, as you said. Absolutely. So when you're looking at that World Series matchup in your eyes, and of course if we have different opinions, I want to hear it from your perspective, but you now have Yankees, Nationals, in the World Series. What does that look like to you? That's the epitome of David versus Goliath. And I think everyone outside of Manhattan and the George Washington Bridge is going to be cheering for the Nationals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, I don't know how that series goes. Because on paper, it should look like New York should run him off the field. Yeah. But you could have been saying the same thing this entirety of the playoffs. So give me Washington, man. I'm going with the role of Cinderella. Washington wins the World Series. Let's Love go. It. How many games? Does it take all seven? It's got to take seven. I don't know. I really don't. You know, I'm, I'm going to be extra bold, and I'm going to go on here and say Washington wins the World Series, sweeps New York. They play the role. Wow. They play the role of underdog. They go home. Wow! And it's going to be Cubs esque, winning the World Series in 2016. Let's go, It'd Washington. Be a heck of a couple months for Washington sports be. if they were to grab a World Series to go along with the WNBA title. They're going to build. Be ce- they'd be celebrating in the, the streets. Mystics, by the way. Yeah. Shout out that the was Mystics. exciting. That was really great. They're going to build a statue of Davey Martinez right in front of the field right there. <laughs> okay, so Luke Sloan, I believe you're also a national guy as well in this series, and you like the Yankees too, so how does this play out in your mind? Yeah, you know, great baseball town, St. Louis. I've, I've taken in a Cardinals game, but, you know, I think that, that uh, Cardinals-Nationals series is kind of reminiscent of when the Tigers swept the Yankees in the ALCS in 2012 to go to the World Series. I think that Strasburg and Corbin roll and then on the other side, I think Astros and Yankees has to go to seven games. I think it's just 
something that's inevitable, it honestly. Must. It has to. For I my mean, viewership pleasure. <laughs> I completely agree. Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, they're two guys that want the ball in the big situations. They could pick up wins in each one of their starts. I see that series going to seven with the advantage to the Yankees. But as much as I want to see the Nationals knock off the Yankees in a World Series matchup, it just seems like it's about time the Yankees win another World Series. I mean, you know, they're the they're the the St. Louis Cardinals are the Yankees of the National League and the New York Yankees, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head the last time they they took home a World Series, but I like them in I'll say 6 games. I think the Nationals hang. I mean, I really really like their starting pitching. Strasburg, I'm a big fan of him, his comeback story. Scherzer, obviously a big fan of him. But I like the Yankees in six games in the World Series, even though I will be rooting firmly against them for all six of those games. Okay, fair enough. I'm not going to go with the sweep. I do think the Nationals win, though. Um, I think the Cardinals have been able to, to kind of scrounge together and put stuff together leading up into this run, but I think they've run into a wall with the Nationals and that pitching staff. I think they win it. I do think Flaherty picks up the win um, the next game, and then they keep moving there, and then Washington has to come back to St. Louis, and they end up winning that game. Um, so I got Nationals making it the World Series on that side. ALCS, I'm going seven games, but I'm going with the Astros. If it goes seven, the Astros have proven that they, this is, they have the championship pedigree. They got this. It goes to a game seven. I'm going with the Astros. And then final World Series, I'm going to go with the Nationals. If the Nationals go out and pull it out uh, against the Cards, very, you know, kind of looking back at what the Blues did earlier on, I think it's just a team of destiny at that point. And I think they make it all the way there. I'm going to go. I'm not going to go sweep. I'm going to go six games, Nationals, Astros, Nationals with the win. Interesting. I uh, As far as the NLCS goes, I, I agree that I think the Nationals, now taking a 2-0, and again, it's baseball. You never know. The Cardinals could have win it. And if the Cardinals are going to win this series, it's going to be in seven. Um, I think the Nationals take this one in six games. I do think that the Cardinals will put up some fight, even if they win two games in a row here. Uh, but I think the Nationals now have so much confidence, you know, yeah. deserved or not. Um, they do, and I think they'll carry that right into the World Series. I agree with you guys as far as the Astros and Yankees series goes. It's got to be seven games. It has to because it's going to be an unbelievable Game 7, and I encourage everyone to tune into that game because so it'll probably be one of the best baseball games you've ever watched in your entire life. Hopefully, I thought the same thing about the Braves and Cardinals game, and we all know how that happened, so uh, sorry <laughs> to the Braves fans. Um, World Series hey, for still me. still happy about that one. Yes, <laughs> yeah, ride that wave. Ride that wave. When your offense still had a pulse, yes. Yes, exactly. It's all right. Blues won a Stanley Cup. That's fair enough. I'll let you have that one. Um, I will take in the World Series. I like the Astros here. I just want a Scherzer-Verlander matchup. That's all I want. It has to happen, and that's why these teams are going to meet in the World Series because the MLB has written the script perfectly for this one. I will take the Astros in five games. I think the one win that they might get out of the series for the for the Nationals will be the Scherzer game whenever he pitches because he ain't going to let that team lose that game. Uh, but I will take the Astros here. I just think they're too good, man. They're they're a well-rounded team. They're yeah. an experienced team, uh, and they've been they've been tremendous all year long. But we will put the kibosh on MLB playoff that, talk is that for your now. Word for the day, like, it is. What? I've used it twice now. Yeah, the kibosh. The kibosh. Never heard of that. Look it up. Okay. The kibosh. Uh, we appreciate you guys for being on here. Nathan Thank Stern's you, guys. Luke's You're long. welcome. You know, Ryan. I I d- honestly don't know if I could emotionally handle a Verlander Scherzer matchup. <laughs> yeah, I. I- <laughs> Which jersey would I'd you wear? Your Tigers, the sound of your that. Tigers Verlander jersey or your Scherzer Verlander jersey for that one? I, 
I don't know. I would probably still root for Verlander, too. I obviously. agree. I would have to. Burn He's both of them and go cry in the corner with a tub of Ben and Jerry's. That's <laughs> I, my plan. Ben and <laughs> Jerry's. Not... Shout out the Tonight Dough. Yeah. Best Ben and Jerry's flavor. I don't know. Half-Baked is pretty good. Yeah, that's that's awesome. that one. All right, folks. Uh, no, Hakar uh, is pushing us here for a break. He keeps us on time. We appreciate you. Um, We're going to go to a quick break here, folks. On the other side of this break, we have the Sparty War- Awards, of course. Worst pickup players. I like that one. It's I love been a long it. time coming. It. I feel like every great show that does this kind of awards thing, you got to have worse pickup players because we all know them. Uh, so don't turn off your radio, folks. Please, we beg you. We like we like you having you here. Just listen. Join the show. 517-432-3893 is the phone number. 517-884-8989 if you want to text in or tweet us at WDBM Sports. Hashtag GW Report. We'll see you in a minute. WDBM East Lansing, The Impact bringing you sports updates this Sunday and every Sunday. This is the Impact Sports Update. Mercedes made some Formula One history this morning after Valtteri Bottas secured the race win in Japan and teammate Louis Hamilton rounded out the podium in third. Mercedes secured their sixth consecutive double championship, the most consecutive double championships in Formula One history. The Formula 1 season continues with the Mexican Grand Prix on October 27th. Lights out scheduled for 3.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can catch the race on ABC. The Detroit Lions head over to Lambeau Field tomorrow evening, coming off their bye week to take on the Green Bay Packers in a Monday night football showdown. Both teams have only one loss on the season as they wrestle for the top of the NFC North. Kickoff is set for 8.15 on ESPN. The Detroit Red Wings went 2-2 on the week, including a 5-2 loss yesterday to the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Red Wings move to 3-2 on the season as they prepare to play the Vancouver Canucks on Tuesday. Puck drops at 10 p.m. on Fox Sports Detroit. I'm Henry Menegos with your Impact Sports Update. For more, visit impact89fm.org sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the Green and White Report is proud to present this week's edition of the Sparty Awards, brought to you by Impact Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Rabinowitz and Julia Mitchell. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank uh, you, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here today. Uh, thank you for tuning in to this week's Sparty Awards. A little new new intro there, courtesy of Nathan Stearns and Hikaru and whoever else does the stuff behind. That was I don't beautiful. Know. That hit different. It did. That was great. All fired up. I should start. We should start wearing a suit. I think we should change into suits for, for the this, second half of the I show. Feel, I feel really felt like we should have had a. You know, they do the, like the the first monologue when the host comes on. He's like, "Oh, welcome everybody to the night. I see Shaq is here." Yeah, <laughs> that's we, we gotta. We should get a bit down for that. We I should. like that. We gotta get that down. All right. Sparty Awards this week. I will throw the number out first if you want to join in. The topic is worst pickup players, those guys that you just can't stand. You're going to play pickup basketball, pickup football, pickup hockey, whatever, I am sports. We all know those guys, and we're going to bring you the worst of the worst here. Uh, If you want to join in, 517-432-3893 is the phone number, 517-884-8989 to text in or join the conversation on Twitter at WDBM Sports using the hashtag GW Report. Worst pickup players, we all know them, Julian. We all know them. And quite admittedly, I might be guilty of doing some of these things. 
and I will I'll mention them oh, as I okay. as I bring them along. But I I don't think it's a matter of me trying to be you know that guy. It's just who I am. Who you? Are. It's okay. It is what you it know, is. We accept you for who you are. Why don't you kick off here for for uh, worst pickup players? All right, all right. I'll kick it off. Uh, my first for worst pickup players are ball hogs yep. slash the guys who think they're better than they actually are. Yeah, get out. Put the, the yearbook away. There's nothing worse than a guy who's like ah I played four years in high school and he thinks he can take fadeaway jumpers like 40 feet out for no reason whatsoever and then he clanks it and he goes my bad guys i'll take the next one then proceeds to never pass you the ball see i've never been in the position of like being a ball hog because i'm just i i will say i would i would categorize myself as a general human being and just being like pretty good at a, a, a plethora of different things N- not too good not too bad yeah. just like lukewarm so i've never i've been a victim of ball hogs i will go out there and play pickup basketball and not touch the ball all game if you can believe it or not no oh, been there been there done that same thing. But I get my I get my work in down low. I get the rebounds. That's all I do. I rebound. I'm a high five guy, you know, water break guy, whatever. Need a towel. Need I got a towel. The towel got for you. you. Ball hogs are bad. Like just, and just it's kind of how people are wired. You know, like you really can't. I think once a ball hog, always a ball. It's like a genetic thing. Yeah. It's like one yeah of which the, is why you didn't get a scholarship. I, exactly. But I agree with you. It's like, oh yeah, don't worry. I'm gonna wear my my entire high school. Uh, track outfit to the to the gym and i'm gonna put some some shots up before the game and then i'm gonna run point we're gonna run plays that i ran in high school but of course no one else no knows, one knows the play no one because knows. we didn't go to your high school and play with you bud that's the worst and then to go along with the guys who think they're better than they are is the guys who like they mess around for practice and pregame and they try dunking the ball a couple times yeah. and then they get in the game and they start pretending like they can dunk like you can't dunk okay yeah you're six foot even with you can jump over a piece of paper. Like, stop trying to dunk on people. I killed to be six foot. I've always wanted to dunk. That's it. Just I want to dunk one time. We can make that happen. I hope. I got to get a little step ladder. But I think there's a there's a lot of body language things that you can see with guys that yeah. think they're a lot better than they are. Like, it's like they're like they're nonchalant crossovers and stuff. And they'll like Euro step to the rim and like throw it under the rim. So, like, yeah, those guys are bad. I, ball hogs. That might be like the pivotal, like, pivotal, like, worst pickup players ever. Um, my number one here, I guess five, whatever, is accessory guy. Mm. And I, I am a, I like this is the one of those things where like I am accessory guy. <laughs> like for flag football, I go like the leggings and like the the Nike elites and the arm sleeve and the headband and the mouth guard. I wear the mouth guard. You got a mouth guard because you never know. That's true. That's that is a good. I will CTE's give you that one. not a joke. I say it every week. People are like, why are you wearing the mouth guard? CT is not a joke. So I wear the mouth guard, but it's just like there's certain times where it's like enough's enough. Like I show up to pick up basketball wearing like my Adidas shorts and like a t-shirt that's like a little bit too big for me, and I just sweat and get it over with and whatever, and you're done. Like the guys that you're wearing like the one leg sleeve, mm. like really, do you need the one leg sleeve? Or the guys playing flag football wearing the one strip of eye black? Like is that necessary? We played a guy last week in flag football wearing one of those like industrial mouth guards, really, like, See, with a yeah. breathing hole. Oh, what are we, yeah. no, yeah, we don't need like, that. Come on, dude. <laughs> like, this isn't like seven on seven. Like, what, like well, I mean, it is seven on seven, but it's not like a like Nike Elite. Yeah, camp. you're not. Com- it's not Relax. truly competitive. Exactly, accessory guy can't stand it. I've even I, though I am accessory guy, I relate to that. But yours look good. There are some people who like you show up and you rock the the you know basketball. You rock the sleeve. I also you got the need headband. It. Like it's I, functional. I exactly. Need it. Like my body doesn't. Like I am falling apart. Like if I don't have an arm <laughs> sleeve on, I'm I, I, I'm a noodle arm. It's the I need the compression. <laughs> like yeah, I show up with the icy hot patch on my back like I'm Shaq. I need it. I'm getting old. See, it makes it. Yeah, it has to be a function to it. Exactly. I Thank like you. it. I like that one. All right, my next guy is the guy who always 
calls a foul. Yep. Always you after a missed shot, him. too. Always after a missed shot, too. Have, oh, my oh, goodness. Was a foul. Oh, was it, dude? Really? 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 Hey, you, know, you got my hand. You got yeah. my hand. I heard nothing. No slap sounds. No nothing. I did not touch you. Yeah. Uh, that's a foul. It's a foul. And then what I hate more is the um, the ball doesn't lie, and then you shoot for it. Like, I didn't touch you. You know you're a better shooter than me, so we all know <laughs> how this is going to end. Yeah, exactly. I haven't made a shot above the three-point line since I was eight years old, but, like, yeah, oh, the ball don't lie. Okay, and sure. And I hate it. Sure, dude. Or I hate the guys who, like, one thing I get in a lot of trouble for, it. I'm a smaller guy. I'm not, mu- I'm not that muscular, <laughs> not that strong either, and I play a lot of guys who are, like, taller than me, definitely have more weight than me, and, you know, I play a little Detroit Pistons bad boy style defense. Okay. I, get in your f- I muscle you a yeah, little bit. catching a couple elbows Catch- coming across you know, the eye socket. You know, and then they sit there and they go, oh, my goodness, you're foul push. And I'm like, bro. You're like four times bigger than me. Yeah. You weigh more than a freaking pickup truck. Yeah. Like if I'm pushing you, you need to get in the gym. Yeah. Because I, I don't know what's do wrong. Do some core one time. Do some core. Yeah. Work. Do some core. Do you think always calls a foul guy is worse or not as worse? Is that a thing? Not as worse. They, is it worse <laughs> than guy that never calls a foul? It's like oh no, that wasn't a foul. You know what I mean? Like oh foul. Like oh no, that wasn't a foul. You know what I mean? Pick up my drift. I kind of, I think I know what you mean. I definitely the, go with the guy, guy who's always of, calling the a lack foul. of honesty guy who's like, oh no, I didn't touch you. Like, relax, dude. We're just trying to have fun here. Anyway, uh, fake injury guy. Ever see fake injury guy? Like, he goes up for a shot, or goes up for a layup, and he comes down and he misses it. So like, all of a sudden, like he his hamstrings. Like, I like, well, I'm not. I, <laughs> I am like injury guy. As in, like, I just like tweaks every time I play sports these days. Like something's wrong. Something breaks down. I like yeah. walk off the field. I'm like, oh. That's, this this might be the day that my that, that my the knee shreds apart like that that just it happens to me that's why again I have to you know I wear the compression stuff keep it tight but fake injury guy that like will sell everything and then he's like rolling on the ground and it's like mm, yeah, yeah like it's not like it's not that serious like I know you're not hurt you know you're not hurt we all know you're not hurt and I, if you are hurt I don't care like I don't, <laughs> I don't know you like figure it out I'm not responsible for your injury. Like, what am I going to do? Like, run over, like, oh, here's a water bottle and a towel, dude. Like, take care of yourself. No, go home. Get in the car. Leave LA Fitness. Get in the car. Stop at Tropical Smoothie on the way home. Get yourself something to eat and get out of here. Like, we don't need you. We're playing a game. Next man up. That's all pickup is. Next man up. There's people waiting to play, and you're rolling on the ground. Can't stand it. That was great. That was great. I have, I have nothing else to add. That was a perfect one. My next one, the guy who's way too competitive. Yeah. That, we're, we're, the guy who's out here, he's like, we're going to run some plays. Yeah, the game's down to one shot, and he's like, all right, everybody, this is how we play. No country for threes. He's like, zone defense. We're yeah. playing zone. We're playing full court press. Like, no, man. I'm I'm here for cardio, bro. Yeah. And he's like, hey, yo, run it back. No. Yeah. Do you not see me sucking air on the sideline? Yeah. I'm here like, so we're not I, running it back. I'm here so I don't die of congestive heart failure at 36. Exactly. That's why I'm here. I'm not here. To, I'm not making a highlight tape for Huddle. Well, what I hate anymore is when you're on the team of the guy who's way too competitive, yeah. and you're just out here, you're just like, ah, do a couple crossovers, take a little three, yeah. and then you miss it, and he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And you're like, bro. No, give me the, give me the rock, bro. Like, no, yeah, it, like, okay, I will, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Yeah, we're here to have fun, man. Let me get my shots up and get up out of here. And, and like, that's, that's, that's quintessential, like, pinnacle, like, don't be that guy. Yeah. Like, don't be a guy that cares that much about pickup basketball. I agree. That's a good one. That might be better than the ball hog guy. Um, my next guy, another guy that I find myself being sometimes, a uh, guy that argues with the refs all the time. I do this all the time. Mm. But I just don't I don't tolerate, like, just, like, b- being bad at your job. Like, be better at your job. How do you yell at them? Are you an aggressive yeller or are you, like, I, a passive-aggressive? I'm very, I'm, like... very a passive, I'm very passive-aggressive in that, like, I always try to start off with an explanation. I'm just okay, like, hey, okay. I don't mean to get worked up. 
I get we're just out here having fun. Can you explain to me what you saw or whatever? And then when I get a lackluster explanation or I, or I get like, like, don't worry about like I'm making the calls, then I start to get a little bit worked up. But I'm very passive aggressive. Like if me and my teammate are on the sidelines and the ref's sitting in front of us, I'll just start chirping them. Like, like <laughs> this guy must have just like signed up yesterday to be a ref. Or like I can't believe like – or I'll like over-exaggerate the play – and be like, well, how bad was this? Like, how stupid do you have to be? Then I usually get the, enough is enough over there. And I'm like, throw a flag. Go ahead. Like, I don't care. <laughs> but then at that point, I don't like being the bad. Do it. I don't like being the bad teammate. It was like costing my team yards or, you know, like we're getting, you know, like mostly I am. Because there's no refs and pickup. But yeah. like, I am stuff. I just don't tolerate it. And I'm, I've never been a kid as a, you know, I, I was a, a pretty solid leader as a kid in my a- athletic teams. You know, I'm don't talk to the refs, it. whatever, let the coaches handle it. But now I have, I have no one to fight for me anymore. I got to fight for myself. Yeah, fight for yourself. That's I'm that right. guy. It gets me in trouble sometimes, but uh, sometimes it gets out of hand. Like every play, like, that's a foul. Like what? Like you don't have to whine about it, sir. Like yeah. relax. Calm down. Oh, yeah, move on to the next one. Let the refs do their thing. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta f- work on that more. I'm with that. I'm with, I, do. I do. I you gotta advocate for yourself sometimes. I get that. I get that. Uh, my next one is the guy who's too good to play, and this goes along a little bit with the ball hog, but he's an anti-ball hog. It's the guy, you know, oh, he's really yeah, good. Yeah. And so he knows he's playing with scrubs, so yes. he just decides not to do anything. Like I hate those guys. Those are the worst. That's a good one. I didn't know how to like actually explain that to someone. Like, but I know what you're talking about. Like, like as soon as he gets the ball in his hands, he just like stands straight up and throws it over his head to someone else. Yeah. Like I don't need. Okay, like, yeah, like I don't need to. Yeah, we don't need this. That's that's a lot. That that's a good one. You got some good ones. Thank here, you. I, I play way too much pickup, and I get very angered by the things all of these guys do. So I'm, this was a really good one. This was a good one. I don't like playing pickup anymore, just because like if I don't know the people there, I just get frustrated. You know, and I don't like being over Mac. I don't mind getting like like when Joe Dandron is like hitting threes in your face like i can deal with that but like i can't deal when like someone else is doing it and then it's just like that's embarrassing for me yeah no i feel that that leads into my next one um and i don't know like if if you would agree with this one these are just guys that i i can't stand these kind of guys because i'm always the victim of this but like every time i put up a shot and the guy goes oh let uh, that that's off or like, or let him shoot. Let him shoot. That is the most demoralizing thing <laughs> that can happen to a human being is when you you like you get in triple threat, right? And yep, you're staring yep. down. You got your guy in the post, and you're like, "I'm gonna shoot this ball." And you go up to shoot, and you hear in the background, "Hey, let him shoot. Let him shoot." Or like, "That's off." It's like, God, oh, dude, really, man? Like that's so mean, unnecessarily. Like what? You don't think I'm I'm good enough to make this shot? And there's no better feeling on the flip side when you drain it. And you then you run back down the court with your arm in the air, so like Rip Hamilton, that's the move. I have never related to something more because I am it's that the guy. Worst feeling I, I, in the I world. I swear, I sit there and I'm like let him shoot. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, bet this is going in, and yeah. then you just airmail. Yeah, it. then you go make me like Mike, and then you just pull the trigger. Most times it doesn't go in. It doesn't go in. It's it so sad. demoralizing. Don't, but like that's like it's unnecessary. That's like that's like ultra competitive guy too. Like yeah. why? Like just shut your mouth. Just go get the rebound when yeah. it goes off. This needs to hurt my feelings. When for I this. when I shoot it off the top of the backboard, just go grab the rebound and go back and score. Do what you got to do. Exactly. It frustrates because I, I know I'm not that good. Don't don't tell me I'm not that good. Yeah. Come on. Seriously, now. I don't need it. My last one: play callers. I yeah. I've played with a lot like of guys yes. who are like, and it's, what I hate even more is the guys who don't talk about the play they're calling. I don't tell me what they want me to do, and instead they just look at you and they're like, 
start moving their hand yeah, around. Hey, hey, Eagle six, Eagle six. Like, what do you want? Like, do you what? want me to clear out or what do you want that? a screen? What do you want? And then you give them a screen and then they're like, ah, no, go away. And like, I ran all the way over here yeah, for this. Yeah, I'm here now. Like, I need the ball. Do something. Exactly. Do something. I hate that. And they get on you. Oh, it's awful. Like, it's dude, I'm sorry. I don't know elevator screens. I'm not running elevator screens. It should just be, it's all freestyle. Yeah. What you got to do. Show we off, just move. Show off your skills. Uh, my last one to end the Sparty Awards here for worst pickup players. Uh, anyone that gives a high five above the waist. Mm, yeah. Like, you know, it just, it's not necessary. I'm all for dapping up your guys. Like if you, like if you make a good shot, like we come back on D my hand is no higher than my waist. Go, yo, I, I recognize you. <laughs> I appreciate you game recognized game. But there is no reason for your hand to ever come above waist level during a pickup game to give anyone a high five. One, it looks silly. Like it's kind of just, it's like not a very masculine thing anymore. Like you know, if I dap you up, I either give you knuckles, like chest high knuckles, or you're getting like a little like yeah, low five, a little low five, yeah, yeah. Like I got you, bro. But like, there's no need for any chest bumping and jumping in the air, all eccentric like or let's go. Like no, we're not playing for a state championship here. It's one thirty in the afternoon on a Saturday. I'm here because my mom thinks I'm getting fat. So, like, let's just play the game and get this over with. We can go, like, hang out at, like, we go eat at Brody afterwards. Like, that's how it is. Keep your hand below your waist. I feel, I will say, there are certain moments where I am this guy. My my hand never goes above my waist, but I do get a little too Yeah, high. well, when you're, if you're boy, like, you know, if I, you know, I like, when we play pickup with, like, Ryan Collins, and, like, you know, Ryan Collins is, like, 0 for 30 on the day, yeah. and then he finally sinks his one because everyone's, like, this guy's not great. Like, let him make one because he's going to start to get upset and he might cry. And then when he hits his one, you go, let's go, Collins. You're exactly. awesome. You Way to go, it. man. You're the best. Exactly. I'm fine with that. Okay, cool, cool. I do the I'm same thing with, with Trent. Whenever yeah. Trent just, like, enters that LeBron mode yeah. and then he just, like, turns into, a, like, a 6'8", 240 black man, that is when I'm like, let's go. It's scary. You got to gas your boys up. Uh, but that, my friends, was the Sparty Award for this week. That was oh, wonderful. I like that one. We needed to do that. It was our we had to do our service here as as sports talk radio people. Of like everyone knows these guys. Exactly. And usually, you know, we come on and we're like, if you're this guy, it's okay. It's yeah. not today. Right. If you're that guy, fix yourself. Yes. Because you got a problem. Yes. Look and yourself <laughs> in the mirror. Read this list over and over again. Or, or re- listen to this part of the show over and over again once the uh, podcast version comes out and fix yourself. It's okay. You have time. Yeah, you got time. Don't beat yourself up, but fix yourself. Uh, We're going to a quick break here, folks. When we come back, we have our MSU football part two. Uh, We're going to talk to Alex McRae as he's in the car on the way back from Wisconsin right now with the boys. A little party car. I like that. Uh, Stay tuned here, folks. You're not going to want to miss this. This is the Green and White Report. My least favorite thing is football is the touchdown. Oh, yeah. Timeout. Kickoff. Timeout. Absolutely hate it. Michigan State's define themselves as a Mac football team. Mac football team. Mac football team. <laughs> Welcome back to the Green and White Report. That's a new song here. That's a new one. DJ DJ Hikaru Kudo featuring Alex McRae. What is it? What, what is Hikaru has a DJ name? Is it like DJ Hickory or something? DJ, DJ Hickory. Hickory. I've seen him do it on his Snapchat when he's out here um, doing the boards for uh, one of our radio shows. That's so, DJing for that's one of the so shows. great. Good work. Good Shout work out DJ that. Hickory putting that on. Shout out Alex McRae. That's a, go ahead, put that up on Dat Piff. Yeah, or sound, what is Dat Piff? I don't know. What, what, what is that? Mixtape kind of thing. Oh, Upload really? mixtapes, tracks, unreleased tracks. I'm not with the times. 
You, you gotta get you gotta get with it. You gotta get with it. I know. I'm sorry. All right. Well, uh, well, little teaser there with the Alex McRae song. Uh, we now are go live to the car with the with the the Impact Sports gentleman, uh, Alex McRae. Are you with us today? Yes, I am. How's it going? Good. Did you did you hear that song? Yeah, yeah, no, Hikaru sent it to me earlier. It's uh, it's a banger, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the top of the charts. We're playing it at tailgates across America. Uh, all right, Mr. McCray. Uh, first of all, how's the trip going? How far away are you guys from home? Uh, I think right now we're still about five hours out. Oh, it's, gross. Uh, it's been a long drive, but we're we're making some good progress so far. Did you enjoy your time at Camp Randall? Um, personally, it was <laughs> really, really cold. Um, I made the mistake of not bringing a, anything more than my dress shirt and suit coat. Oh, fantastic! So it was uh, it was a little chilly outside. Well, uh, I know that the uh, the game itself uh, wasn't a tremendous watch, and you had some. You were a little heated, McCray. I'm not going to lie. You went a little bit scorched earth. There is as previewed by the song. Um, I'll open the floor to you. I know you probably have a lot to say as far as uh, your thoughts on the Wisconsin Michigan State game yesterday. Yeah, no, it was a really uninspired effort by that Michigan State football team, almost unmatched in the D'Antonio era. We talked about it on the broadcast. There were only two other games that we could think of that really compared. One was the uh, road trip to Iowa uh, with Kirk Cousins back in 2010, and then the other one was the road trip to Columbus in 2017, the 48-3 loss. But I think this one was almost worse uh, just because it seemed as if Nobody was really trying. I mean, the game seemed to be over from the opening kickoff. Yeah, and I think we, both Ryan and I have, have kind of had the same feeling of this team, this program has prided itself on coming in with a chip on the shoulder, with you know a dog in the fight, and there was none of that in this game at Wisconsin, and Wisconsin seemed to just thump all over them. Um, and my question for you, because obviously we're not there and you have the look into it that we don't, but sitting in the press conference, we've seen the tweets of a, a Hondo Carpenter question, I think a very valid question, towards Antonio about uh, reshuffling the deck and whether that has been a good decision or a bad decision at this point in the season. And uh, D'Antonio called it a, a, a quote-unquote uh, dumb A, uh, dollar sign, dollar sign, question. <laughs> uh, we cannot say it over the radio. Shout out the FCC. Yep. Um, and so sitting in the press conference room, can you give us a look in as to what kind of the demeanor of D'Antonio was, and especially surrounding that question, kind of what you got from him and kind of what he's facing now at this point in his career? Well, it just seemed as if he was very defeated. Uh, it looked like a guy who didn't really have the same passion or fire for the football just game anymore. It, it was unlike anything I'd really ever seen from Mark D'Antonio, and that's not a good thing if you're a Spartan fan. And one thing we spent a lot of time talking about was the fact that this just might be the sign of an, an, an end of an era uh, for Michigan State and Antonio. And, and one thing that I look at is that it, it's kind of seemed like the teams such as Wisconsin and other teams have just gone on to pass Michigan State. The Spartans were supposed to be the cream of the crop of this Big Ten. This defense is elite. Brian Lewerke is new and improved. Recruits are good. D'Antonio brings in great guys. But now you look at the other side, Wisconsin has done that. They've built themselves up into a program with now a Heisman candidate in Jonathan Taylor, a quarterback who's competent and can make great throws. Wide receivers look better than Michigan State, that's for sure. And so I ask, 
is this is it time or are we getting towards the time to close the book on D'Antonio and what he has kind of built this program into? Well, I think that this program has reached a tipping point. I, I think that the eras of the Connor Cooks and the Kirk Cousins are a different generation. It seems like it was just yesterday that Michigan State was winning, winning Big Ten titles, but then when you look at the last four years, uh, their record's barely over 500. It's below 500 in Big Ten play. It's unlike something that we expected from Mark Antonio. He, he built a brand of winning football at Michigan State, and it's just not the same anymore. That brand has diminished. He wasn't able to recruit when develop the same guys that he was able to earlier in his career, and that just it, it, it shows on the field. Other teams have just passed them by. Uh, Wisconsin doesn't have significantly better recruiting grades than Michigan State until just recently. It's really just been Paul Christ and his player development that's really just been the main difference between the two programs over the last couple of years. So, Alex, I know this is a loaded question. I'm going to ask you anyway. If you're uh, if you're Bill Beekman, if you're in charge here of, of Michigan State Athletics, What's your fix here for this problem? Because I will call it a problem. I mean, it's 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 a problem that seems to not really have a clear solution. Uh, is your answer here to, is D'Antonio the guy that has to wear it and you have to move on? Uh, I don't really know how you solve Because in my eyes, I don't necessarily think D'Antonio, the coach, is the problem. I think it's more so the fact that he who he chooses to put around him and how he chooses to lead the program is an issue. Maybe that makes absolutely no sense. But what's what's your fix in your in, in your eyes if you're in charge of this program and, and where it goes in the future? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, nothing will change with this athletic pro, uh, department just because I don't think Bill Beekman necessarily has the power to really do anything. He holds the title, but I don't know if he actually holds the power. And on the Mark Antonio question, I think – it reflects on him who he surrounds himself with. If that reflects poorly on him, if his team isn't able to put a good product out onto the field, that ultimately all falls back on the head coach. Whether you think it's not a Mark Antonio problem or not, I believe regardless of what he himself does coaching-wise, it's the other coaches that he puts around him that reflects on, on him. So I think it's it's just uh, an issue. Of, of loyalty over winning. I heard Nathan Stern talk about it earlier in the podcast, and he put it better than I ever could. Uh, it was just, it, it's, it's, a, it's a culture problem at this point. I do want to touch on the defense real quick, too. Um, I, I know we saw against Ohio State, too, of course, where you kind of started to scratch your head and ask yourself, how good is this defense really? Do you think after now seeing them put up a 38 spot, and of course there's a, you know, a, 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 he had a pick six in there, which isn't your de- defense's fault. Uh, do you think this defense might have been a bit overrated coming into this season, or have they just not really played up to expectations? Well, I think the secondary has been the biggest weakness of this team. Uh, they've given up one against Indiana, who wasn't even ranked. It's really just uh, shocking to see how poor the defensive line pressure has been and partner that with the secondary coverage. The linebackers have been pretty good. I mean, Bill Bocci's been rough his last two games, but Antoine Simmons has probably been the best player on this defense so far this season, and he can't do it all. The secondary, especially the safeties with David Dowell and Xavier Henderson, 
I feel like they, they miss tackles more than they make tackles at this point. It, it's, it's horrendous. In the first quarter, Xavier Henderson seemingly had six or seven missed tackles. It's unacceptable if you're a safety. You, you can't miss those tackles, especially against tight ends or running backs. Uh, this defense, Brian Collins and I were talking about it earlier, has been running a lot of zone coverage. And that's not something we're accustomed to seeing uh, with, from a Mark Antonio-led Michigan State defense. I don't know what the changes are. Maybe they don't trust Josh Butler or Kellon Durvin in man-on-man coverage, but something has to change in that secondary scheme because what is happening now is not working. Jack Cohn was surgical with his precision against the zone coverage uh, yesterday, and Michael Penix Jr. for Indiana was also tearing apart that defense. I I don't know what the solution is, but they got to find it. And uh, a bye week coming on before Penn State comes to town. I think a lot of people are looking at it and and hoping that some kind of change comes out of this bye week and that you do get kind of lucky in that these uh, these three games were basically 30-plus points, the two losses, Ohio State and now Wisconsin, where you get a moment to kind of pause and reflect and try and make some changes. When you look at it, are there any changes at all that this Michigan State team can make to salvage this season. And I don't even know if salvage is the right word because I think for a lot of fans, what was expected is already gone and you've already lost it. But is there any point to salvage this season? I'm sorry. I lost you there for just a second. I, Hello? No problem. Yes. Can you, you still hear us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? Of course. Like half of it. No problem. Bye week ahead, looking to salvage the season. Penn State, on the docket right after this bye week. Of course, Michigan's still on the way. Is there any way, any changes this team can make to salvage this season? Uh, well, they have to make a mindset change. That lack of effort yesterday was horrendous. It was demoralizing. It looked like a team that had already been beaten as soon as they stepped out onto the field. Eric Bach and I talked about it on the broadcast about how it looked like Michigan State was still stuck in traffic in Chicago when the kickoff started. It was... They, they need to have a mindset change. They need to play for pride at this point. They realize that a New Year's Six Bowl is almost entirely out of the question, and they, they just need to fight for each game, fight for each game like it's their last. And the, the thing that was a little concerning for me was during the question at the press conference yesterday that uh, D'Antonio didn't take too kindly to, he said, we're only seven games into the season well, you're seven games into the season, you already have three losses. That means that something has not gone very well. Two of those three losses were not close games at all, really. And they need to find something. They need to dig deep, do some soul-searching, and hopefully for them, find a way to win these last couple of games. Now, we still see on the docket here, as, as Julian mentioned, you get Penn State, Illinois, Michigan, Maryland, and Rutgers, not all in that order. Um, we looked at these handful of games here between Wisconsin, Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan as, you know, how many do you need to win or what's your expectation, whatever. And all. They've already lost two. So you have Michigan and, and uh, Penn State left to complete out that, that I guess, the, the four grouping there of the big games. Has your opinion changed at all as far as your confidence level against the Penn State or Michigan, or do you still see this team as a team that can rise to the occasion and get two wins out of those next two games? 
Um, they have proven to me that they're not that team. They're not that Michigan State team that can rise to the occasion anymore. I don't think they have been since 2015, really. Uh, Penn State might be a little bit different just because Michigan State seems to have had their number the last couple of years. But considering the way they've played so far this season, I can't say with any confidence that they, they can compete with that team. Michigan, on the other hand, I believe is a whole different animal. Uh, they have looked equally as bad as Michigan State so far this season. And though they do have a ranked uh, that game looks worse and worse with them losing the last two games. I do think Michigan State has a chance to beat Michigan in Ann Arbor, but I'm significantly less confident than I was on Friday about this Penn State game. Well, as we said, the bye week coming up here for the Spartans, then Michigan State and Penn State will square off at Spartan Stadium on Saturday, October 26th. Uh, Alex, we appreciate you calling in today. You guys have a safe trip home. Thank you. I appreciate that. All righty. Well, can we, we need to bury Michigan State football. I can't talk. Look how, see, how, see how sad I am right now, Julian? Do you hear it, is really, it is really sad. It how is de- really sad. How defeated I am right now? It's terrible. I don't know what I just did to the phone. I think I just broke the phone. Oh, good. Oh, I don't goodness. know. We'll get a car in here later. Whatever. Not coming out of my paycheck because I don't get paid. Anyway, it's Sunday. It is. It is. Before we do move on, though, okay. I do want to make sure. I want to give a lift of the mood a little bit. Sure. I want to highlight some other sports we haven't been able to highlight because we have, you know. Yes. Yes, such, of course. Such an amount of time. Of I do want to say because it has to be highlighted. I saw this the other day. I, I'm i not going to get the name right. I did not get a chance to go through and pronounce it correctly. But Iliud Kip, Kipoge. Uh, Kip, I hope I got it right. We're going to go with that. Either way, uh, over the uh, weekend, he became the first person to run a marathon in under two hours. I saw that. Which is absolutely unbelievable and insane. Um, And I I felt like that needed to be shouted out because that is an insane record goal thing to do. I I can't even quantify what that is really means to be the run a marathon in under two hours humans are evolving way too fast it's getting scary i don't understand like i don't i'm not sure what like what is an average marathon time isn't it like three close to three hours or Something no like there's that. no That's way it. if the guy ran it under two under I, I, I don't know i feel like the average guy probably runs a marathon in like three hours and 30 minutes this guy's like an actual runner like he does this for a yeah in terms of average marathon times the median marathon finishing time in 2016 for men in u.s marathons was 422 four hours well that's americans and like everyone that runs marathons are like they just do it so they can put a sticker on their card that says 26.2 no one's actually serious about that stuff i read something too uh on that point that in order to like register how fast that is to run that, he's, some guy tweeted like, "Go to the gym and put the treadmill on like twelve point five, and try to run it. Try to run that for five minutes, and then take into account that you have to do that for twenty six point two miles, and that's how fast it is Ooh. to. I mean, I, I run like a mile in like two hours. So I, I mean, wow, insane. That was crazy. Good for that guy." It was unbelievable. And I do want to shout out Washington Mystics won the WNBA title. Uh, what was that on? I think it was a Friday? I think it was Friday. They won over the Connecticut Sun. Wanted to shout out the Mystics. One of my favorite teams, Elena Deladon, one of my favorite players, won her ring, the WNBA title there. It was a really, really great series. So I want to shout that out as well. I missed the uh, Detroit Shock. That's back when I used to be involved in the WNBA. The Detroit Shock, Detroit the Detroit Shock. Fury, the AFL, or the Arena, yeah, Arena football team. 
uh, that was in Detroit. I miss those days. Swin Cash. Ooh, Swin Cash. That's a name yeah. for you, huh? Swin Cash. Uh, speaking of the Detroit Shock and Detroit in general, because Trent's all Detroited out today. Hi, Trent. Welcome is. on for football picks. Good morning. Uh, of course, it is Sunday. We will do the picks. We what always do the picks. What a blessing it is to be here with you guys. <laughs> oh, Glad the music's here. here. All right, let's pick it up. Let's go. Okay. I love this music. The picks. Uh, by the way, Ryan Collins texted me last weekend, and apparently I think you and I, Julian, had eight games correct, and he had six. Kyle, or oh, Ryan Collins did, I think, something like that. So I don't, I don't know if that's – how many games are here? Who knows? Whatever. I think I put them all in. Not going to lie, I did it very late last night, so I really hope I did it correctly. That's okay. Oh, you have some, like, soccer teams in here. I'm just kidding. All right. Yeah, I put FC <laughs> Barcelona in there. We'll get to the <laughs> Didn't picks Didn't seem right here. in the moment. But <laughs> we'll get to the picks. The first game of the week, Buccaneers and Panthers. Panthers are a two-point favorite on the road. That game's already going on, so – I haven't seen the score. The Panthers are rolling them. Uh, oh, yeah, last time I checked, I'm looking at the score. 37-26. Thirds is dancing. 4-47 left in the fourth. For the record, I know we don't, there's no moral victories here. I would have taken the Panthers easily. I think Jameis Winston actually stinks. Like, like no. actually? Does he smell? Maybe. He no, could listen, stink. Panthers, Panthers kind of announced that Kyle Allen could be the guy going forward. I think that's a good decision. Um, Over Ron Cam Le- Newton? Is Stern still in the mean? studio? What do you mean? Wait, gets turns on here. If Kyle Allen wins today, we're five and zero with him as the starting quarterback. So, frankly, until Fig Newton actually decides to complete his passes, I'm fine with it. Allen's twenty or thirty-two, two thirty-two touchdowns. He's an accurate passer. He's got a good pocket presence. As long as he learns not to throw the ball away and fumble the ball away every third drive. We'll be okay. I mean, you go from 0-2 to 4-2, and and after last year when we couldn't buy a game with Cam at the Reigns, I'm excited. Our defense has been good. McCoy's got three sacks. Bruce Irvin's on fire. Woohoo! Let's go, Carolina. Keep pounding. Fig Newton. <laughs> Keep pounding Fig stars. Newton. Fig Newtons are so like good. Sam Dude, I love Fig Newtons. Oh, my gosh. Never Fig really Newtons knew what they were to, like, eighth grade. And I really? had my first Fig Newton. And my life was forever. No, changed. they're 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 fantastic. Nice little beach snack. A beach snack. <laughs> All right. Well, that game's already going on. So what, why don't we get our stuff together here, Ryan? Browns and Seahawks. This game is actually taking place later today and not already happened in the morning. Browns and Seahawks. The Seahawks are on the road. They're a one point favorite. I love the Seahawks in this game. Can you I, believe the Seahawks are only a one point? That's favorite? what I was gonna say. Like yeah. that's ridiculous. I know, I know. This line is just like begging you to take it. You know what? You add the fact that the Browns are zero three at home. Not a good home team this year. Uh, I think they got too much noise going on. Cleveland got destroyed at home by a bad Titans team. Yeah. I don't think they can beat the MVP Russell Wilson. It is a one point line. It's a pick 'em. I'm taking the Seahawks. Yeah, give me the Seahawks. The Browns have looked absolutely awful. I want the Seahawks too. I'd put my mortgage on it if I had one. Um, I don't look. Baker Mayfield, by the way, was just. This is how great like the media is with sports. Is just because the guy's like outspoken and like whatever, and he wears the headband. Like, was, oh, Baker Mayfield might win the MVP this year. That guy stinks. The Browns stink. At some point, you got to prove something. They will always stink. Sorry, Joe Dandron. Give me the Seahawks. Chiefs and Texans. The Chiefs are back at Arrowhead today at 1 o'clock. They're a point, well, four-point favorite. I like the Texans. Texans. Um, I think the Texans have the best receiver in football in DeAndre Hopkins. I stand by that. He could so score a touchdown this year maybe for maybe. my fantasy team. <laughs> Julio Jones. I, I got Julio Jones. Get him in the end zone? I, I got Julio s- and Hopkins. Same si- oh, that's, oh, that's, no one's in the oh, end wow. zone ever. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a whole lot of yards and not a lot of tubs. That's okay. Uh, I'm going to take the Texans, and uh, I don't know if the Texans are going to win. I'm just going to take the Texans to cover. Um, I'm so sick of the Chiefs, honestly. I'm, I'm already sick of them. They don't want anything, and everyone's acting. Everyone's anointing them as this great. I saw my Lions give the entire league a tape on how to beat these guys. Yes. I think the Texans do it. I am juiced for this matchup first off. I think it's going to be really good. I'm going to go with the Texans as well. If you are a Chiefs fan, I'd be concerned about the injuries your team is facing right now, especially with Mahomes. Uh, I'm going to go with the Texans. I think the Chiefs are fine here. They're due to bounce back, and they're still a very high-octane team. Have not been impressed with the Texans this year. I really haven't. I know they're winning some games. Uh, I, I think the Chiefs, this is a game that you go back to Arrowhead and you probably just beat the living crap out of whoever you play, and it happens to be the Texans this week, so give me the Chiefs. Uh, Dolphins and Redskins, wow. I don't. Need, I, this is How this game is being televised Nobody anywhere watch this. is criminal. Uh, Dolphins and Redskins, the Dolphins are at home. They are a four-point underdog. It's the lesser of the two dumpster fires. The Dolphins are actually tanking like they're trying to lose by the book. Uh, the Redskins are a young team. They might have a little fire under their bellies after the Gruden firing, so I'm going to take the Redskins, um, and they, they prove the Dolphins are by far the worst team in the NFL. Also, the Gruden fa- the firing, my God. If anyone wakes me up at 5 a.m. to get fired, no. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, I'm going to go with the Fens in this one. They're tanking, but I think this is the mistake where you like win a game as a tanking team. This is the game they win. Okay. I I I have no idea. I don't I think this game could end 0-0. I have no idea. <laughs> um the Dolphins here cuz they're at home. I actually want to give them the nod here, but I think, you know, you fire the coach, maybe a little bit of life. The Redskins aren't actually dead in the water even though they, I don't know. Who's playing quarterback? Colt McCoy today? Who's a quarterback these days for Washington? He's not. It's either it Colt McCoy or it's Dwayne Haskins because they're not going to throw Keenum back out there. Again. Not going to matter. I think the Redskins are going to cover this one. It's going to be a horrible game. I don't even know why anyone would watch it or pay money to go to this game. But whatever. Give me the Redskins. Vikings and Eagles. The Vikings are at home. Three and a half point favorite. This is such an odd line to me because I think the Eagles are by far a better team than the Vikings. I've not been impressed with the Vikings in one game this entire season besides probably the opening game against the Falcons. Uh, I think the Eagles win big, and by big I mean two scores or more. Um, the Vikings secondary is very good, lots of high flyers, but Carson Wentz is just one better. I'll take the Eagles. Yeah, Vikings have been tearing themselves apart inside that locker room. I'm going to go with the Eagles in this one. Nelson, Nelson Aguilar is going to catch something. <laughs> That's a funny storyline. I like that. Um, Ryan Cole said last week that Kirk Cousins was due for a uh, 400-plus yard game, eight-touchdown type performance. Played very well last week, so now we're going to get back to reality here. And the real Kirk Cousins. Uh, I'm taking the Eagles here. I don't even, you know, the Eagles might not even win this game because they're on the road. The Vikings have a pretty solid defense. But I think the Eagles at least cover. We'll probably win, but Eagles for me. Jaguars and Saints. Jaguars are at home and a three-point favorite. Another odd line to me. I like Gardner Minshew because who doesn't? But the Saints are now 3-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, that's a very good offense they got going there. Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas leading the league in receiving yards. Um, that's just something that I don't think the Jaguars are going to be able to take. Um, they give the home team in the NFL three points. The Jaguars are at home. It's basically a pick em. I'm picking the Saints. I'm going to pick the Jaguars in this one. I'm Ooh. all in on Minshew Mania. I don't even think it's Mania anymore. I think the guy's good. And I think they go out and win one. I've been waiting for a Bridgewater to have his oops game. I think this is going to be it. Leonard Fournette, too, third in the league in rushing yards. I have him on my fantasy team. He's been yep. he's been producing. And he's been quiet, but he's been rolling. Look at that. I uh, you know, I like the Saints. I'm going to believe in the Saints until they give me a reason not to. And yep. this could be the reason they don't. Or the, this could be the reason they give me not to believe in them, rather. Um, Teddy's rolling right now with the white gloves. I... 
I like them. I don't know. They're the real deal. They look. They got. They they're deserving of success this year after the debacle that happened in the playoffs last year. I'm riding the train. Who them? Who day? Which one is it? Who day? Who that? Who that? Who that? Talk about being them Saints. Same thing. Saints, Ravens, and Bengals. This is the who day team, right? Who day? Bang- Bengals or who day? Who day? Whatever, dude. Who day? How do you? How do they have like the exact same mantra? How does that happen? Because they think they're good. Who's in I the feel like who had it first? Man. I think Cincinnati had it first. Either way, Ravens are at home. They're an eleven-point favorite against the Bengals. Trent taking a Ravens win. Um, initially, I looked at the line; it's big, so I like the Bengals. Until I saw the Ravens are the best scoring offense in the NFL, thirty-two points a game. That would put the Bengals at about twenty-one if the Ravens were to cover, which I see happening. I think it's logical. Um, still no A.J. Green, Cincinnati. Life is tough there. Uh, Joel Mixon could probably roll, but uh, the Ravens are just, I think, a little bit better than we think after the hot start. So I'm going to take the Ravens to cover and win. I'm going to go with the Ravens to win it. I'm going to throw myself out there and go with the Bengals to cover. Ooh. I'm going to go with the Bengals to cover. I think that fourth quarter. I wanted quarter, to do it. I just don't trust Dalton Andy just Dalton. throws it around. I think the Bengals just end up somehow covering this one. This could be a backdoor cover type situation. I'm going to take the Ravens. I'm so glad I'm not a Bengals fan, and that's coming from a Lions fan. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking the Ravens here, Lamar Jackson. I'd like him to have a, a, a pretty solid week here as my fantasy quarterback. Thank you very much. Uh, give me the Ravens. Rams and Niners. The Rams are at home and a three-point favorite. Trent, are the 49ers the real deal? Uh, I wasn't buying them, so I had to see more than last Monday night happened. I think they're legit. Uh, they're hot on the Ravens' heels with 31.8 points per game. On offense, uh, the Rams have lost their step a little bit. Todd Gurley, we don't really know what's going on there. You know, less touches than last year. All this stuff's going on. Uh, the Rams are still a good team, but they're another team with little to no home field advantage. So I think uh, I think the 49ers win, and uh, I think they cover. Well, yeah, they win, so they cover. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. I've really tried so hard to be out on the 49ers. I really, really yeah. did. But I got to roll with it. Jimmy G's a sexy beast. He's throwing that football around. I think they get the win over the Rams. It's a tough game. I'm waiting for the Rams to like it's click a divisional and be. Game yeah, too. That's I'm why waiting it's... for the Rams to like click and be as good as they were last year. Haven't seen it yet. Um, I'm not totally sold on the Niners, but again, I'm gonna believe into I'm gonna believe in them until they give me a reason not to. I'll take the Niners here on the road. This next game, Cardinals Falcons. Falcons travel to Arizona as a two and a half point favorite. Uh, the Falcons oddly stink, in the words of yes. Ryan Collins. <laughs> um, they're five sixteen and one against the spread. I believe those numbers oh. might be a little off, maybe. Mm. But uh, the bottom line is they uh, not good against the spread. Uh, but the Cardinals are still a bad team. Still salty about the week one tie from the Lions. But I think we're going to see a big game from Julio Jones. Falcons win by two scores. Yeah, both teams are bad in this one, but the Cardinals are worse. I'm going to go with the Falcons. Uh, I I have a rule of thumb of just like how you never bet against the Patriots, you always bet against the Falcons. But I'm going to break that rule today because I think the Cardinals also stink. I'll take the Falcons here, and if you're a gambler listening to this, I would advise you to do the opposite of what I said with this game because it always happens when talking about the Falcons. Next game, Broncos and Titans. Broncos are at home with a one-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, I like the Broncos simply because I think they're the worst, or the they're the best worst team in the league, ah. um, or the best bad team in the league, I should say. Titans aren't good either. Got Delaney Walker on my football, on my fantasy team, so I've been following them a little bit. They can't move the ball; they stink. Broncos defense is actually pretty good. Still got some playmakers there, so I'm going to take Denver at home. This is a tough one. This is a tough. I don't like Joe Flacco. At I don't all. either at all. Trust at me. At all. No. Uh, I'm going to go with the Broncos as well. Titans have not been great. I have Mar- Mariota on my team as well. 
the Titans showed a little flash early on of being a solid team. Um, the Broncos haven't been great either. This is, like you said, Trent, the best of the worst teams. I'll take the Broncos here because I need Phillip Lindsay to get in the end zone today. Uh, Jets and Cowboys. The Cowboys travel to New York as a seven-point favorite. Here we go. Sam Darnold's back. I don't think the Cowboys are good at all. They oh, started 3-0 no. against the Giants, Redskins, Dolphins, three of the worst oh, five teams no. in the league. They lost to the Saints without Drew Brees. You're going to do it. the Saints didn't even score a touchdown. They got blown off the field by Aaron Rodgers, who the Lions are going to roll tomorrow, mor- tomorrow night. Uh, Aaron Jones tore up the Cowboys' run defense. I think Le'Veon's effective as well. Probably doesn't score four touchdowns, but he has a day. I think the Cowboys do win, but the Jets cover the seven points. Give me the Jets in this one. I want to see Stephen A. Smith with his Cowboy hat on on first take tomorrow morning. Give me the Jets. I'm, I just got peer pressure into taking the Jets. The Jets are so bad. <laughs> the man. Cowboys are not good. They're I know. Overrated. I, I do know, think the Cowboys are very bad. I'll take no, the Jets. No, they're definitely not bad. Whatever. I'll take the Give Jets. Give Sam Darnold. I got, say, I got the Cowboys win. I just think the Jets cover. Okay. Sam Darnold's good. He's Fair good. Enough. He found Fair out enough. he's not going to die for mono, so he's yes. happy now. He's good. Tremendous. Uh, Chargers and Steelers. Chargers are at home a six-point favorite. Chargers, sure as death and taxes, will take their midseason form. Uh, Phillip Rivers does his thing. Uh, they're kind of in a fight-or-flight situation, the Chargers. They're 2-3, and three, have to start winning if they want a playoff berth because the Chiefs are going to run away with that division. I like Phil Rivers, and I like the Chargers big against a bad Steelers team. Yeah, Steelers are not good. What's the name of I can't think Devlin of his name. Hodges. Yeah, my man's is not going to look good so in this sick, one. I'm going so with the Chargers. Of, I'm so sick of hearing about that guy because yeah. his nickname's Duck. Who cares, I know, dude? I know. Nobody <laughs> knows who you are. Give me the Chargers. I hope they blow them out today. Monday night, Packers. Lions from the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. The Packers are a four-point favorite. We already know what Trent's doing, but let them know anyway, Trent. Get it well, on the I record. Said, I Go said ahead. Go for ahead. weeks on the Motown Rundown, I'm not sold on the Packers, not sold on the Packers. After last week against the Cowboys, again, I don't think the Cowboys are that good, but the Packers do look like the team to beat in the, this division. They've beaten the Bears. They've beaten the Vikings. They have not played the Detroit Lions. And I think tomorrow, uh, the bye week came at a perfect time for the Lions. Uh, you know, Slay's going to be there. Diggs will be there. Deshaun Hand should be fine. Amendola should be fine. Hawkinson's okay. Stafford's okay. Everyone's going to be looking great for the Lions. We're putting a healthy team on the field. Packers are the sixth worst, worst rushing defense. Uh, before the Cowboys game, they were dead last, but they stopped Zeke and bumped that up a little bit. I think you got a hand carry on the ball, especially with the Packers secondary looking great. Packers only averaging 244 passing yards a game. Uh, you're Aaron Rodgers is a walking 350 passing yards. Days are over. With that being said, you can't just put the ball in his hands and expect to win because Aaron Jones will kill you too. I think the Lions get focused and they win this game. Uh, it's a four-point spread, which I think is weird because I think the Lions at least lose by a field goal. Um, taking the Lions. Tough one. Tough one. I want to buy in on the one pride. I do. But you're do not it. going to, are you? Julian, I'm going to do it. Yeah! yeah! One pride. Let's go, Julian. One pride. I'm with it. Very impressed with that Chiefs game. Lions look good. I'm liking where Stafford's looking. I'm liking where the defense is at. Slay has been targeted. They've gone at him. He's proven he can take it. I'm going with it. Aaron Rodgers is going to have a tough day at home. Yes, he absolutely will. And look, you look at the NFL as a whole. The Lions are better than many of the teams in the NFL. They really are. Yep. And again, here's another test for Matt Patricia and the boys. No one's afraid to go play at Lambeau anymore if you're a Lion. Maybe a little bit. But if you're a Lions fan, the the psyche's gone, as Trent said on the Motown Rundown last week. Big day planned for the Motown Rundown, boys, with our live react. Well, not live, but we're making a video tomorrow. We're getting together for the game. Oh, the Juju, the Juju's going to be in on the couch. It's going to be, be feeling great. good. 
I like the Lions to win this one, man. They're going to turn some heads. They're going to have all the eyes on them. And if they lose, I'll be extremely upset. But they're going to win. I don't care about the points. They're winning this game outright. I like the Lions. I love the Lions. I always have. I always will. And those are the picks. Woo. We need to get like a nice cl- clap that track nice. in there. Some like applause, you know. Oh, it's the middle. This is your song, Julian. This is my song. I didn't this put this gonna, in there today. This kind of blew my mind that Julian put this in the dock today. Like This is the song that he wanted to go out to. I love this song. I like I'm not going to lie. I did not know the name of the artist or the name of the song until last year. Really? I know the song. Have you seen the movie The Sorcerer's Apprentice? Yep. No. Yeah. This this song's in there. Oh. It's, it's the start. He's like drawing King Kong on the Empire State Building from the little bus. And oh, I just, I, I, I yep. love this song from there, but I never knew what it was. I can just go, everything, everything will be all right. And then someone's like, what's that song? I, I, I learn something new about you every day, Julian. And there will be more to learn about you next week. Next Sunday as people join us back here on the Green and White Report. We're here every Sunday, folks, 11 a.m. Thanks for joining us today. For Julian Mitchell and Akaro Kudo and everyone that's been on the show today, you have been listening to the Green and White Report. We'll see you next week. One pride. You have been listening to the Green and White Report on WDBM. For all your sports news and notes, go to impact89fm.org slash sports.